0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Design Dorks Gaiden, the show where I release an episode five minutes before we start recording and use the excuse so that I don't have to focus on how well it's performing. We are roughly 15 minutes into me releasing an episode on Captain Falcon, and I am doing everything in my power to look at everything else. I am Pyrrhic Kong, with me
1: as always is the slightly less neurotic. I don't know about slightly less neurotic, I can't live up to that title, but hey, the Duke of Dorks here. Happy to enable Pyrrhic because YouTube analytics are scary. Yes, but they're my favorite drug! Yes! I love them! I inject it directly
0: into my veins and then the fireworks happen and I go, ooh.
1: Yeah, but then sometimes you don't get the sample size that you were advertised and then you just feel bad.
0: Yeah, they don't happen for a while because Spampton destroyed my ability to have success.
1: (laughs) He's just like, no, I'm eating all of the success right now. Mine! Oh, it's okay. I plateaued at the Zelda video years ago. I get ya. You can make it back. Oh, I'm sure. Like,
0: look at how Waddle Dee's doing. Yeah, but it's because he's Waddle Dee. <laughs> yeah, but he's doing better than Zelda and Rayman. I mean,
1: true, true.
0: Like, like, you go ask to an average person and go, hey, which do you prefer? The princess that you mistake for the main character of the series or the idealized form of humanity?
1: I love, oh, yeah, the, well, if Bandana Dee ever gets into Smash Brothers, that needs to be his boxing ring title. Just the idealized version of humanity. That'd be beautiful. But anyways, yeah, we're back for our, this is our April episode of Design Dork's yep. Guide. Just talking about the games we've played, the new stories that have happened, what we've been working on, all that good stuff. I don't know about you, but April kicked my butt,
0: and I mostly defaulted
1: to playing older games. It was awful for me. I, I, I moved through it. Didn't play games for, like, half of it because of that. But, like, the stress is gone now. I can relax moving forward. Well, not relax, but I can, like, be sane moving forward. Oh, yeah.
0: Gosh. No, our, our theater's opening back up where I work my day job and, uh, had uh, one of the actors go down with COVID. So I learned his role yeah. in three days and opened the show. Uh, this was on top of me being in three other shows in the past week and a half. Uh, pfft. Well, well done that you're still alive after all that. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah. But now everything ended up going well and whatnot, but my
1: god, um... Stress. It'll get ya. No, yeah, just... I feel that. (laughs) You were preaching to the choir, my friend. Yep.
0: But you know what won't get ya, and what will always keep you hopeful... That's right, it's King K. Rule. it's time for the K. Rule Watch! (laughs)
1: K. Rool. There is no King K. Rule! Damn it! Nope, nope. I get the, the closest we got was the later alligator thing you talked about last time. No, no crocodiles to be seen. It's very disappointing.
0: I mean, I am looking forward to the Platonic Friends title Little Gator game because it's a game about where you get to be a little gator. But that is not King K. Rule. But you know what? I feel him. He's still in my heart. He's still in my hope. We've got. We've got the end of the year wide open for Nintendo. They're leaving that wide open for Donkey Kong. Shut up, Pokemon.
1: It's all Donkey Kong. I've mean, got I a solid month and a half till the June Direct. Like, that's gonna... That's like the best chance apart from, like, maybe Game Awards or something like that. I don't know. Exactly. He's coming. He's coming. I believe. I will have to sing. I've, I've made my... I've made my peace with it. You will. You will. I'll give you <laughs> many options. We could have an album by the end of it. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: If, like, K. roll <laughs> appears in multiple games, you have to sing a song per.
1: Well, watch that be what, like, really makes our channels take off. It's not, like, design analysis or anything like that. It's just Donkey Kong cover songs.
0: Oh, gosh. Uh, you ever heard Ailstorm's cover of one of the DKC cartoon songs? I have not.
1: Oh, they're a professional
0: pirate rock metal band, and they covered Pirate Scorn from the cartoon. Oh! It's... it is rad. Oh, no, I, w- I, w- I want to hear it now. <laughs> yeah, no, it is great.
1: Remind me if you remember, and I'll throw it your way. I will probably be reminded when I re-edit the footage for this. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (sighs) Alright, so uh, video games. First game I played this month because I was guilty about not playing games this month. Blue's Clues, Blue's Alphabet Book. (laughs) This is a Blue's Clues game for the Game Boy Color. And let me tell you, it is a Blue's Clues game for the Game Boy Color. They have great games in here, like... The one where you match the sounds and the colors from Donkey Kong Country 3? Simon, it's called Simon. They have match the things? They have is this shape the same as this word? They have find the alphabet letters in the alphabet soup to find the word cup. Now you may be asking yourself, Pierre, why the hell did you play this game? What could possess you to play Blue's Clues, Blue's Alphabet Book? And let me tell you something, brother. This game has crushed up digitized voice clips of Steve saying that I'm really smart. (laughs) Every time, he'll go, Wow, you're really smart. And that gives me the absolute most mild feeling of joy imaginable. This is probably the least amount of positive feelings I can have toward a game while still being a net positive. So therefore, this game exists so that I can officially call any game worse than it a bad game. Nice. <laughs> Blue's Clues, Blue's Alphabet Book is the new
1: futility line. Check it out. I like that. I like that. That that, that feels like a nice bar to set for greatness in the video game industry. Yes. Can you beat the bare minimum of I feel a little happy? I mean, you, you can't scoff at the validation from, from Steve going, like, you're smart. Like Exactly. Of, of all the figures from my childhood, that's... that's, that's Like top 10. Yes, 100%. Like him, Scrooge McDuck
0: and Mr. Rogers are all duking it out for my competence while Donkey Kong just watches and go, yes, you may all be second place. (laughs) Yeah, I had that for a quickie. Um, I also played on a similar vein, Darkwing Duck for the NES. Nice. And this is Mega Man. Like, it's just Mega Man.
1: Okay, yeah, I can picture that.
0: And what I wanted to do was I wanted to go into this because, you know, DuckTales has a pristine reputation as a video game. Uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers has something similar. This one I was just curious about. It came later than those games, but I wanted to see what kind of vibe that it brought. And what's fascinating about it is that it's designed around you having only four hit points. Okay, that makes stages significantly tougher than Mega Man because you're allowed to make less mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And healing is less plentiful. There's a unique kind of tension where like they can be they could be a little less bullshit, but there's still this constant feeling of tension. Um it's also very vertically designed. Darkwing has this move where he can hang off the bottom of platforms and then jump up them. So it has a very unique feeling of flow. Like, I would say that this is a different way of expanding Mega Man 2. Whereas the slide is a lateral improvement, this is a vertical improvement. And it makes for really unique level design that feels good to play. Interesting. Yeah. It has power-up weapons, because Darkwing Duck has a gas-shooting gun- And he can get, like, heavy gas and spread gas. And all of the power-ups suck. (laughs) Every single one is bad and not as good as just going pew, 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 pew. Bosses are super simplistic, but again, since you only have four health points, they're a lot more challenging a lot more unique because there's this added feeling of tension despite them being easier than Robot Masters most of the time. And... What this game does is not exceptional. I don't think that there's any level that stands out. I think the music is very good. It actually fits the sort of jazzy Darkwing Duck tonality of the show. But what it does great is personality because it's just like straight up Disney thugs like full on Beagle Boys that are just reduced to little sprites that you're just shooting down. Uh, there are banana peels scattered about, and Darkwing can trip over them, and it'll put him into a little stun state. It's It loves being a cartoon, and it knows it's one. And that's fun. Do I think that this is a great game or an all-timer? No. I think it's a bit cheap in some places. I think it's a bit straightforward in some places. But probably my favorite moment in the game is the ending credits, because it's just Darkwing duck on its motorcycle, and, you know, it's playing that usual proto-man. Sad Mega Man credits theme where it's all wistful and whatnot. And it does that for a solid 45 seconds. <laughs> and then he trips over a rock and goes flying into the moon, and the Darkwing <laughs> Duck theme starts
1: playing. Oh, uh, I, I miss those kind of games. Disney kind of just stopped yeah. making like those charming cartoon platformers. Was it 2000 yeah. ish? Didn't really come back. And yeah, like I'd, I'd say thereabouts. But yeah, those were God. always a delight. Yeah. Didn't even know there was a Darkwing Duck game, so I'm glad to hear that it's got that same... Like, it's not going to live up to DuckTales, because nothing is going to live up to that DuckTales game, but...
0: Right, right, right. Oh, gosh, the remastered version is so good. Yes! I love it so much. Uh, I think that was the last performance by Scrooge's original voice actor. I believe he was in his 90s when he recorded those lines. Yeah. What a legacy. God,
1: love him. Uh, I just have two quick little updates on games that I have been playing recently. Uh, Still trying to play Elden Ring a lot. Uh, It's been hard because uh, I have access to it through my brother's shared library with me. And Uh he's always playing it. That's understandable. But I did manage to escape the Crystal Centipede of Doom without summoning allies. I managed to do it. Turns out if you just try to run for the exits, it works. So, you know, that's always nice. Yeah, you know, cowardice is the finest form of valor. Got out of there. I haven't progressed as much in the game as I would like, although it's, I'm still having just so much fun with it. Like, when that that addictive loop of just, okay, this boss is just kicking my ass. Let's learn it. Let's learn it. Let's learn it. I did it. And just all oh, that dopamine rush every time. I also found the hub area. And there's, um, it, it's a it's a strange, like, subversion. You find this lady... That's just like, oh, it, just just be with me for a second. It's a it's a tradition. It's like, oh, wait, is this like some sort of weird sex scene in a Dark Souls game? But she just kind of cradles you for a second. Like gives you a, just a small hug. It's like, there, there, it's going to be okay. And it's the sweetest thing I've ever seen. And I never would have expected that from a Souls game. Oh, just like, oh, Aww. yeah, my poor, my poor little guy. He just needs a hug. He's been through a lot. Uh, yeah, th- thanks, lady.
0: Is this the pretty blue girl
1: that I see all the fan art of? Uh, no, no, no. Okay. Just just some strange, unexpected wholesomeness from the Soul series. Okay. Warmed my heart. Then I just had a... <laughs> I specifically wrote down Joy Mechfight solely to complain about Jibber. <laughs> I yes. hate Jibber so much. <laughs> For people that don't know, uh, Jibber is one of the 36 fighters in Joy Mech Fight, which again, 36 fighters, what the hell? On a Famicom game. On a Famicom game. It is this... Uh, how, do I, how do I describe this? Uh, where most of the Joy Mech fighters... Like, you, you got the torso-head situation, the R- Rayman kind of body type. Jibber's face is on its chest. It's got, it's got a little hat above it, a little helmet, which makes Jibber significantly lower to the ground than literally every other fighter. And since the hitboxes only uh, hit the, the torso and the head, or in Jibber's case, his hat, he just low-profiles through half of the attacks on the cast. I play I the most and my gap closer literally can't hit him. And <laughs> Yeah. And Jibber is a character that you need to use a gap closer against because his arm he's Min Min. Yes. But Min Min that can punch upwards. I'm <laughs> after yep. having, having that discussion about Min Min, I'm starting to second guess whether she should she needs to be able to punch upwards because Jibber being able to He covers the entire screen. It's Well yeah, but just like get good. Or better yet
0: Throw Min-Min out and put Jibber in Smash. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? That might actually work better. Jibber's got no mobility whatsoever. Exactly. And he's got that face. Like,
1: just imagine losing to him. Yeah, just that stupid frog grin. Just <laughs> that, that his, his goofy-looking glowbox ass, and it's just... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I, I hate him. I... Like he's not immune to just holding forward with I. Like that does still work. Just mashing that good punch. But goddamn, does it feel bad? Just be like, okay, no, I can't outskill you. I just have to meme you.
0: <laughs> oh, but that's
1: fighting games, baby. <laughs> that's it. You learn and you adapt, or you die. Indeed. indeed. Oh, oh, something else I wanted to bring up about it that I just it kind of gets overlooked. Um, didn't even cover it in the video, but. That game that saves replays of when you beat every single boss.
0: Oh yes, yes, How it does. How does a
1: Famicom do that? I don't know. Like it, 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 it that's replay. Like it, it's saving <laughs> that 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 game's
0: wizardry. Yeah, like games today don't do that.
1: <laughs> that game's almost thirty years old now. I I, I had an audible just like shut the fuck up. No, you were not when it started doing that. <laughs> Ba, 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 ba. Keeps track of the exact move you're just, just that's that's button inputs. Yeah, smash and, and it memorizes your position on the screen. Yeah, Joy Mechfight. This is just it's it's just a good game. He's really good. It's in my top one hundred. Hell yeah! Honestly, probably mine too. Hell yeah!
0: I'll take it. Um, I played a bunch of Demon Turf. And by a bunch, I mean the first world. And Demon Turf is a 3D platformer, and the closest analog I have to it is uh, Sonic Blast 2, where it's like a flat 2D-ish character in a 3D environment. Uh, this is part of the Platonic Friends initiative, where uh, Platonic is helping indie developers publish their own games, and this is another 3D platformer.
1: Oh, ro- okay, I had to look up Blast, but...
0: Yeah, I don't Robo- Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Roboblast is fantastic. Like, that could be the best 3D Sonic game, which means it could be the best Sonic game. <laughs> but yeah, um, Demon Turf is a fun little game. You are a little demon named Beebs, and you jump around an environment so that you can take over hell from the Demon King by collecting a bunch of batteries that fuel the turfs of other demon gangs so that you can power up gates to sneak into his house and dione beat his shit up or something. Okay. It's got that very much like Banjo-Tooie by way of Disgaea. It's very sardonic, but it also very much knows that it's a video game and it leans into it hard. It leans into popular culture a lot. Uh, Biebs calls a giant pig boss a real porker, an absolute unit, a big chungus (laughs) in the same sentence.
1: Okay, but it's the same sentence. That's a little heavy-handed, but...
0: It's a little little much. It's much. It is much. And uh, at first, I
1: wasn't really
0: jiving with this game. I thought that it has an okay introduction level, and then it drops you into its uh, hub world. And, you know, it's hell, so it's having some fun with the geometry. But I found it makes it a bit hard to navigate, and it's a lot of very simplistic reds and oranges and browns in various geometric shapes. And while I think it adds a bit to the identity of the world, I think that it makes it a bit ugly to look at, as well as um, a bit hard to differentiate different areas and really get a sense of the terrain. It had a little bit of stiffness. Uh, The game crashed on me twice. I was uh, playing on Switch, and I would just beat a level, and it wouldn't load the completion screen. Oh So I, I was ready to put it down, but I went back, and this is a challenging 3D platformer. Like, I would call the first world that I'm in, which is like sort of a Western-style town, but in hell, I would say it starts at about the difficulty of Mario 64's TikTok clock. It's expecting you to wall jump and... Cross over very narrow pathways and whatnot. And the levels are all differentiated into small one-offs similar to Spyro 1 or Sly Cooper 1. Okay. And this gives them very, they're very, very tight levels where you're just trying to explore and get to the top. Like one of the first levels is literally, okay, climb a giant tower that is a bank vault. And there is literally a clock hand that you have to cross. So it is very, very intentional. And then you jump down it through an array of lasers. And it's really rather fun to do so. This game has a good sense of forward momentum. Um, You have a double jump and then you have a little flutter. But if you do jump, flutter, jump, you launch yourself forward like a dive. And that gives you a big burst of speed forward. So you have essentially the choice of taking things carefully or blasting through. It takes me about 10 minutes to first clear a level and collect all the collectibles. And then they say, oh, well, here's a time. Can you beat the level in two minutes? Oh, And it's very much designed both around doing a couple of little challenges off the beaten path and then speeding through it. And I think that it is interesting. I think that this game is unrefined as hell. And I think it is a little bit annoying in tone. I, I won't lie. I, I like it at some points, but at some points I think you're going a little farther, guys. Or I, I've seen the song and dance before, pretty similarly. But when it gets going, it gets going. Uh, they just released a $5 version that's just all speedrunning levels. It's Demon Turf Neon something, which I also picked up. And uh, I haven't touched that yet, but I think if you wanted a sample of that, then that might be a good place to start. If you wanted. A 3d platformer that's a little harder than what you're used to all
1: right sounds like, it's, sounds
0: like it's got heart it does uh and then i watched through guilty gear strive another story and this is just okay guys we're guilty gear here is a 40 minute anime ova as free <laughs> dlc of course and I sat through it and I watched it. It stars Biken, and it stars Bedman's sister Delilah. And they're both edgy, emo teenagers trying to bond with each other. And that's great. As someone who knows the Guilty Gear lore, I could barely tell what was going on, but it was fun. And sometimes the animation was impressive, and sometimes it was oh dear, oh, you're really moving the miles around in your Gmod, aren't you? <laughs> It's got an almost intoxicating amateurish quality, but then sometimes you go, yeah, that's so good. And then it's just so confusing of, okay, what actually happened here? It's Guilty Gear. I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't even know. But there's a major character death in this. But it happens like two minutes before the end, and it's never mentioned or brought up or given any sort of importance. You just see the character die. So it's like that feeling from Avatar The Last Airbender where they go, did Jet just die? You know, it was really unclear. <laughs> it's exactly that. <laughs> I'm like, I have to look up. Did he die? Yes. Yes, this character died. Okay. It's 40 minutes. You can find it on YouTube. You won't know what's happening.
1: Excellent. I, I watched the the original story for Guilty Gear Strive. I was equally confused, but equally delighted. Probably check that oh. out as well.
0: I love that. Yeah, I wish Happy Chaos were in it more. I just love Happy Chaos.
1: You like Robbie Damon?
0: Yes, yes, yes. If you'd like to get Robbie Damon to guest star
1: in this podcast,
0: oh my! Thank you. That's
1: not happening. But good grief, I would love that. I'm
0: putting it out in the universe so I can continue to hope. After K Rule comes, it's Robbie Damon watch.
1: (laughs) Watch.
0: (laughs) It won't be creepy at all. I just want him to come on the podcast so I can go up to him <laughs> and say, "Hello, sir. I like the way you scream." Please move on to the next section. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <I> got- <laughs> that threw me for. From- oh. <laughs> uh, so after gushing about Kirby last time, I was, I've was i been playing through the game more with my brother and just noticing more things, so I have with me a list of things that I forgot to mention last time that I want to talk about this time. Okay, do we need
0: a spoiler warning right yes, now? Yes, we do need
1: a spoiler warning right now, because I'm not going to care about it one way or the other.
0: Hell yeah, neither will I I have 100% of the game now.
1: Yay! Okay, so five seconds, skip to the timestamps, you can find it easily in the comments or description. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay. So I'm just gonna go down the list here. Uh, we talked about a lot about like uh, remixes last time, just how good the Forgotten Land uh, soundtrack is at like capturing different motifs, but still building on them in different directions. makes the uh-huh. it makes the songs almost feel like sequels to the songs rather than like remixes of them, which is just. F- f- Fantastic. Agreed. Something I forgot to mention last time. Through the tunnel, the second level is Quiet Forest. The second level of Kirby 64. And that just made me cry. Just straight up. Oh, yeah, that Ad- is That's Adeline's level. Yeah. That, that 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 stabbed me right through the heart. The Waddle D band is called the Deedly D's, which just how can you... How to, they, they named- oh, they're the Deedly Ds? I read it as Deadly Ds. I, I did as well, but then I went back and I, I liked Deadly Ds more at first, but then I realized that they, it, it kind of sounds like they named themselves after their ruler, after King D, and that's just adorable. And I, oh, I, I just, that I just think of hand. them in like all like Ned Flanders mustaches. Like, hey, we're the Deedly <laughs> Ds. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mentioned last time that if you steal Meta Knight's sword, it gives you, like, like, he pulls out his own, uh, um, his old sword, which is just phenomenal. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. I had my, uh, my brother do that, like, the first time we fought that boss. Something awesome about that is that if you don't own the Meta Knight power up, that yes. is the first time you can get it. Yes. So you can literally get the Meta Knight power up by fighting Meta Knight, and that's just fantastic.
0: Yes. It's the same way with Phantom, even if you have Morpho sword. Nice. It will, if you eat Phantom Meta Knight sword, it will put you back at Meta Knight. Oh, oh dear. Did that
1: like mess up your run in one of those?
0: No, no, no. Yes. Ah,
1: uh, that's fine. morphonite Knight sword is broken. Well, I love I, it. I
0: think that was in one of my runs where I was going inhale
1: only. Oh, okay. Okay just just being further gypped over my desire to get a zero three fight. Chaos Elphilus literally has the exact same color scheme. yes. but then it, but i I got so. Like tunnel visioned on that. So that when, I t- when you finally beat it and started talking to me about it, I was complaining about that. And you said you, you do realize it's basically miracle matter, right? And it just there's like five seconds just sitting there and be like, wait, oh my god, it totally is.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, the instant it does the cutter attack, I'm like, oh, oh, I know what you are.
1: <laughs> Although to be fair, that's something that the void does as well. It's, it's got a lot of moves from the void, but like it's got, it's oh, got yeah. the same like kind of the eyeballs with the red things, and it's just like, oh, it's just oh, it's, it's, it's such got a the nice same reference. like orbital
0: motion to it.
1: Yeah. Ah, what else? Uh, sleep animations. When you go into the little room, in Kirby's house, you can just go to sleep, and they have different animations of Bandana Dee's playing co-op. Like, Kirby literally kicks Bandana Dee out of the bed. It's just hilarious and adorable. I watched them, like, 20 times. Yes, betrayal. Um, in the Alive Mall stage. There is a single a woofy that's just slowly making its way through the stage. Like, you barely pay any attention to it because it's just starting at like the very intro of it, but if you actually slowly walk with it for like, it takes like five minutes to get through the entire stage, it'll actually lead you to a secret area that you never would have found otherwise with one of those blue coins in it to give you like a hundred of the stars. Oh, that's it's just great like, literally easter eggs like that are all over the place in this game like there's one whirlpool that unlike the rest of them will you can actually drop down into a secret area like there's yes that so one, many good secrets so many good secrets the desert uh hotel yeah 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 uh something we didn't mention the last time about the amazing truck sequence it's playing the invincible thing during the whole thing yes just, like, but it's the extended cut yeah and it, it just adds to the feeling of just like yeah <laughs> even more <laughs> yes uh and also if you play that um co-op bandana d's just on holding onto the truck for dear life and it's just amazing to behold
0: oh oh <laughs> uh i'm pissed off because i didn't know about morpho knight sword secret attacks no one told me until i was on stream and connor was playing which you can check out at twitch.tv slash designing for if you hold Shield, you get two extra attacks with the Morpho Knight Sword. Oh yeah, the uh, little Elphalan Souls and the uh, Off Waves. Yeah, I didn't know the Off Waves were there. Oh yeah, if you do Shield and Attack in the air. Oh, okay.
1: Cool. Yeah.
0: yeah, I was so pissed off having done my full run. That is hilarious.
1: Something to know for next uh, time,
0: though. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, that final arena. That was fun as hell, right? Just, oh my gosh. That I, I that final I appreciate boss. them taking mercy on you with the easy continue, but I did not take that. I refuse. Same, same. Just my, my pride wouldn't let me. That said, I did need Morpho. I didn't take any upgrades. I was like, okay, you get
1: upgrades or you get Morpho. One or the other. Yeah, the, the life steal on that sword just saved my life so many times. I'm pretty sure I had like eight through three health bars, but the sword was yes. just stealing it back.
0: I think I can do everything abilityless except for Chaos Elphalus 1. Like I will not have enough health health to do
1: Chaos Elphalus 2 if I do not have morpho for phase 1. <laughs> it, it's it's an insane boss. I love that fight so much. Oh yes. Beautiful. Like it, is that I I don't want to like recency bias. I don't want to call that the best Kirby boss fight, but just the environment, no, it, it is. the music, just the difficulty, the challenge, the Sheer Spectacle, it summons a giant skyscraper of itself. Yeah, the only
0: boss that comes close to me is Stardream Solo-S. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And, like, I love Void, Astral Birth. I love that four-phase fight. It's incredible.
1: It's probably the best capstone to 2D Kirby. This tops it Yeah, on its easy. first try. And just, like, I, I can't wait to see what they do next with, like, more final bosses. Like, it's it's it's, yeah. it's so good. <sighs> so good to have a good video game. Right? and I do have three more things I need to bring up real quick. Do um, it. Forgo DDD's power-up. If you hold it down, like you hold the charge, the hammers will eventually explode, like Diddy Kong's um, peanut pop gun in Smash Brothers. Okay, love that for him. That's just hilarious. I don't know if I'd call this a knock against the game, because it was so funny. But do you know the area in uh, um, Redgar Lands, the where you're skating across all the lava? yes. That is a nightmare to do co-op. <laughs> oh, I'd imagine so. Because, because you, you, you you can't keep up, so you're just kind of just teleporting behind him and then you fall straight into the lava. Over and over and over again. I still very much not designed for co-op, but I I kind of like that it isn't. Because when you design for co-op, you kind of limit a lot of what you can design the levels for. Yeah. I, I'd rather have it this way than without all these. Agreed. Things aspects. And then just one small simple thing that I love so much. My favorite obstacle in all Kirby games is when they just like put those um falling blocks and then just litter sleep power-ups all over them that you have to maneuver around. When I found that I think it's in the 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 ice world. Like I I I was I was laughing hysterically. Just I I Cause, Cause you only see, start seeing the sleep power ups when you're already like committed to running, aclo- running across them. You just have that realization mm-hmm. of oh, oh no, oh no, please don't touch me, please don't touch me. <laughs> oh, this this game, this game is just serotonin through and through. I love this game so much. But that's all I want. I, I just wanted to go through the list and just continue gushing.
0: About- yeah, let's just let's just capstone that game that we loved last month. We love it
1: more. Yep. Not recency bias, it's just genuinely. I, I think it's my second favorite Kirby game. Maybe first, like, it's, it hasn't quite overtaken the installer of 64, but it's getting close.
0: I don't think it's physically possible for it to topple Superstar for me. But I think it might
1: be better than Robobot. i I agree. <laughs>
0: Oh, and it's hard to say that. It's so hard to say that Robobot's so good. I mean,
1: it's just, it just, it's just, just to show how good this one is.
0: Yeah, I know. Robobot was the best game of 2016, hands down. Yeah. Like, only Doom came close. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, no. That was Doom, Kirby, and Overwatch. And
1: Overwatch has long since fallen off of that conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that'd be close from it. But regardless, the fact that you're just talking about Kirby in the same breath. Oh, and Titanfall 2. Oh, Titanfall 2 is really default is really good that time level man like
0: oh that time level and then the one immediately after that has the fastball special exactly it's amazing Uh, that's one of the best one two punches of levels in games
1: good games 2016 was a good year
0: i didn't think it was when i was in it but then i went back to it and i'm like damn (laughs) hindsight's damn your top is stacked uh any other gushing about kirby No, I am satisfied unless I have not mentioned Silly Dillo up to this point. In which case, I fucking love Silly Dillo. (laughs)
1: Ah, yes.
0: Silly Dillo is the best. Like, that is probably... He's probably the king of my one-off Kirby character
1: appearances. Just watch it become, like, a shopkeeper in future. You you just buy, like, power-ups or, like, references to, like, previous Kirby characters through Silly Dillo. No, Silly Dillo's gonna make the next collectibles. Yes
0: Oh and if he starts making sculptures of all your new friends Like I want to see Silly Dillo made uh, Dream Friends Yes
1: That would be amazing
0: Or like you see a silhouette of like Marks or something as a boss And then it just all falls apart And Silly <laughs> Dillo comes up and it's Silly
1: Dillo again <laughs> Just do the K-roll fake out but with Silly Dillo Oh I would love that Like after the boss fight Marks comes out and was like "Ha, oh,
0: we tricked you. Haha <laughs> got you and then he shoots your friend. <laughs> it's like,
1: prank! Just a prank, Kirby! Okay, so... All right. The first um, medium discussion I have today was the the game I was looking forward to of April, and that was uh, LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. I have only
0: seen youngling combos about this game. Tell me more. Okay, <laughs> youngling
1: combos.
0: <laughs> oh, please, I've seen... Uh, one of the prime uh, modders of Devil May Cry Five added a void and a free youngling for you to practice your combos in in this game, <laughs> because he noticed uh, there was a restand and went, "Yo, there's tech here."
1: That's amazing. Yeah, th- th- this is a game that um, like near and dear to my heart. Like I've been playing the Lego Star Wars games since oh, when did that one come out? Like fifth grade. That sounds right. Yeah, it, like, I love Lego games so much. So I was, like, so excited to, like, see them, like, really trying to revitalize the series with, with, like, everything new they're trying to do in Skywalker Saga. Get into the game. Like, I'm so excited. And uh, so, this game has a very close camera behind the character, mm-hmm. and the camera bobs as you run, and it does this weird thing where, like, zoom out a little bit once you start running. I cannot play this game without getting motion sick. Oh no. It is so, so disappointing. It's it's not so unbearable that I can't play. Like, you can mess with the settings a little bit that I can, like, still tank through it, but I can't get through more than, like, an hour while playing this game. And it's just, 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 just why? Why that Why would you do so that? That is so disappointing. Why would you do that to a camera? Especially when the Lego Star Wars, like, all the Lego games prior had, like, really fixed cameras that, like, made it easy for everybody to play. That's why it was one of the best games to play with other people, because. Even people that didn't really like video games or couldn't handle playing video games could. But now yeah. it's just, oh, my stomach can't handle it. It's, it's because they tried to do a lot to like make make it more action focused. Like you got like combos now. You got like epic firefights. At least they look that way. But you can kind of just mash buttons through all of it. Well, admittedly, that sounds very Lego. It does. It does. But it comes at the cost of a lot of the, um, for lack of a better term, parkour. Of the previous Lego games, just kind of making your way around levels and finding different secrets. Okay, it's a lot more spectacle over substance. which, oh. is, which is it's still fun. Like the oh, more spectacle my allows language. for just more Lego humor, which is always a good time. Right, there, there are so many just hilarious moments. Like now, uh, one that comes to mind is um when it's it's Anakin's nightmare when he's like, oh no, what's happening to my mom? And then Padme wakes him up. Which first of all, they're on separate bunk beds because it's a Lego game, and that's just hilarious. <laughs> right. <laughs> And Pam is like, "Oh no, do you have a nightmare? Oh, did they have sand in it again?" And Anakin's like, y- "Yes, but that—that's that's not the point." Oh wait, it has voice acting. Oh yeah, it. Not only does it have voice acting, they got the voice actors from the Clone War series to do really just all of it. Is it good? It is phenomenal. <laughs> does it does it fit
0: because like. Part of my love for this is just the silent humor of it. It felt very
1: cartoon, so... Uh, there, there's plenty of both. There's plenty of both. And there's, like, an option to turn it into the basic mumble language of the... Oh, um, okay, the okay, games. never mind. So, so it's toggleable. It's toggleable. Okay,
0: all, all of my criticisms are gone.
1: Yeah. But, like, I I, I wouldn't do it anyways, because as soon as I realized that, wait, they, they actually got the voice actors from the Clone Wars, and that that's just... Hearing Darth Maul's voice actor do the Jawas, Utini oh, just... Just, just warms my heart. Good. Uh, Darth Maul's letter level is called Better Call Maul. That's a Breaking Bad reference. Just that There's so much little referential I, I gathered. Humor <laughs> and just delight. and I wish I could play it properly. That sounds like an awful shame. Yeah. I will say that even with that, it kind of just makes me appreciate the original games more. There just is more to do in those levels. I, I think the hub worlds of Skywalker Saga are stronger. Like, there, there's just more to do in them, but they right. lose out on a lot of the specific challenges that the original games had. Hmm. Is this a game where you're going to try to go back,
0: or is this a game where you're going to look up the cutscenes on YouTube? I think this is a game where I'm going to look up the cutscenes
1: on YouTube. Okay, but are you going to enjoy the hell out of them? I am going to enjoy the hell out of them so much. Like, Good. the dialogue is hilarious. The, the prop humor is on point. Silent humor's great. It's just... The actual game isn't as good. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but, uh, well, it, it's, it's, on, it's, <laughs> it's on par with what half of Star Wars has been lately, so. I did hear that there were a lot of problems developing this game, which, having played I, it, kind of makes sense. kind of feels like they, they started with the scope of the, all the different worlds, and were so overwhelmed trying to fit that scope, they forgot to, like, flesh out everything else. Also, feels strangely rushed in the story, which I know is funny to say for a Lego game,
0: right? But but they wrote the stories. They made nine movies about the story.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: How do, how do you rush it? They they
1: made it, except for those ones that they rushed. But like, I I, I think it's pacing. There's no breathing room between just different moments. You kind of just like, okay, we had this story moment. Now fly to this planet so we can have the next story moment. Now fly to this planet so we can have the next story moment. Okay, all right. Uh, Are certain movies favored more than others, or...? Uh, I've only done first episode, the second, the fourth, and the seventh. Okay. So I don't know. I I have noticed that the sequel trilogies are riffed on a lot more than the other ones. Good. Good. I I will say... Actually, no, like, I think... From the sheer fact that they have the actual Clone Wars actors voicing the uh, prequel trilogy, which just makes it feel more alive, for lack mm-hmm. of a better way of putting it, they're able to do a lot more fun, have a lot more fun with voices and like character interactions there because they've been doing that for significantly more time than any of the others. Right, right. They're comfortable with it by then. Yeah, yeah. I'd say i say in that case the prequels are a little more favored. Okay, that that's
0: interesting to hear. I just know that like when I go to a JoJo fighting game, I'm like, okay. Part three
1: is going to get a lot of lip service and everything else. Good luck. <laughs> I, s- I still had fun with the, with the, with just the Lego side of things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, was a bit of a dud. Well, okay. But that just happens sometimes. You got to live with it. Well, you want to know what's not a dud?
0: Banjo-Kazooie Grunty's revenge for the Game Boy Advanced in places. <laughs> This is the GBA game that is a full-blown Banjo-Kazooie midquel developed by Rare. And this was part of their Game Boy Advance initiative where they said, Okay, THQ, we'll publish you one Banjo game, but also you have to publish our other three games, which includes a puzzle game titled It's Mr. Pants. And THQ was like, Okay, but I'm only going to print like eight copies of It's Mr. Pants. And they're like, it's okay. Here's banjo, and this is a banjo kazooie game for the Game Boy Advanced with as few compromises as they can manage. Like, did you ever play any of the handhelds sort or of 3D platformers for the GBA? The the
1: Spyros, the Crashes. I did experience the Rayman one, the one that is okay. technically Rayman Four, but also not Rayman Four because it's a sequel. But also, there was supposed to be a different one, and it just it's it's a mess. Did it have, like, a weird top-down isometric perspective? Yeah, it had the Diablo perspective, which is just really odd for a a Game Boy.
0: Yeah, this has that, too. And it does not compromise with that, and it somehow makes a coherent 3D world out of it. It's not bad. It's just not good. It's... As a world, it actually manages to function. The feel of Banjo is correct. The pacing of the game is correct. The issue is, if you have, like, three different ledges next to each other, you have no idea what kind of elevation they are until you (laughs) jump into them. Like, this game is a perspective nightmare. Constantly. And that hampers everything. Everything feels very sort of shoe-strung together. But on the other hand, it nails the tone of Banjo. The plot is that after Grunty gets buried under a rock, she gets sick of waiting. So Klungo builds her a robot body for her ghost to possess. So she goes back in time so that Banjo and Kazooie never meet by enslaving all of the Briegel's? (laughs) so mumbo sends banjo back in time to save kazooie and beat up grunty in the past and like that's really really banjo no yeah it's goofy and it's silly uh the game does some really interesting things where like mumbo is a crappy shaman at this point like he needs you to beat up grunty because grunty or klungo have a boss fight in every world He needs you to beat them up and take some of their magic so he can use it to transform you. Okay. And he's, like, sitting in his crappy disco pad. Like, there's a little disco ball and swanky music and a lion skin rug on the ground. It's like, yo, this Mumbo's bachelor pad, yo. (laughs) But the interesting thing is that Grunty's magic is so much naturally more powerful than Mumbo's that he can carry over his transformations into different worlds. So... You can use any of the transformations in any world, and that opens up a lot of possibilities with the level design.
1: Interesting. So it's actually like doing something unique from the other Banjo games.
0: Yeah, it does a lot of really, really clever things, and it's very Banjo in tone. Um, one of the worlds is like a lovely seaside tourist trap town, but Grunty has taken over, so it's become just a shit show with polluted water and whatnot. And the only NPCs are literal piles of shit.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: And they go, okay, can you find my shit children? And Banjo goes, sure, <laughs> I'll find your shit children. And you save the shit children who want the crappy ice cream. Of course. And it, like... I think the best thing that I can say about this is that it feels like a really, really faithful banjo fan game from the mid-2000s. Okay. Because, like, it gets the style, it gets the characters right, it gets the music right. Music is surprisingly enjoyable to listen to, even on GBA. It's on point, but at the same time, it's very much trying its best. Okay, okay. Okay. And the the reason that I bring this up is that this is a game that would not exist anymore. Like, there is no reason in any world for this game to exist for you to essentially port down a game to this kind of style. And it's such a game of concessions that, like, there's never going to be a stylized remake of this sort of game. There's never going to be something in the vein of, like, your Shovel Knights or your uh octopaths or what have you yeah, that celebrate yeah. this era of gaming. This is just such a unique little I don't want to say gem,
1: but I wanna say like cubic zirconium. It, it, it's, it's it's fascinating. Like it's it not necessarily precious, but it's different. It's something that like that whole era of trying to do platformers on the on the handheld systems before they could really do platformers. And just how yeah. they tried to like finangle their way through that. Yeah, because, like,
0: I think that a majority of this game's ideas are good, except for the one time where they hide one of the note clusters behind an NPC that gives you hints and you can't see it at all. That was bullshit, guys. But like, the final boss, because banjo final bosses are usually much harder than the rest of the game, is a three-phase endurance round between Gruntilda, and between every one of the phases, you have a quiz show. Yes! And like, I was wondering how they would mix that in, and that's really, really clever. It turns it into just one big gauntlet. And it's so smart. At the same time, it's miserable to go through, and there's no saving between phases. So it's a five-phase, like...
1: 15 minute fight that if you die on the last phase good luck buddy and then I, I i assume the questions are just the same every single time so it's just
0: yes but they're varied but at the same time it sometimes lets you play mini games and all of the mini games in this game are shit
1: I, that makes sense that tracks
0: banjo games are usually pretty good but now this one is a weird isometric slide and then for some reason they do a fishing mini game three times <laughs> Okay, I do have to ask, is it better than Nuts and Bolts? Nuts and Bolts is like a totally different game. I, I can't answer you, honestly. Okay, fair enough. Like, you're comp- comparing a platformer and the precursor to Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> like, to me, can I... S- it's easier for me to say, yes, Banjo-Tooie is better than Metroid Prime, than Banjo-Kazooie Grunty's Revenge is better than Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Ha <laughs> ha! Nuts and Bolts is doing what it wants to do, and it's doing it well, but you really have to get on its level to do it. This is doing what it wants, and it's doing it okay, but anyone could play this.
1: Okay, okay.
0: And yeah, I just thought that this was a really, really interesting, like, little dive back through history. And uh, maybe I'll pick up the other games that Rare did on the GBA. Uh, Banjo Pilot is crap, but I hear good things about uh, Sabrewolf. And It's Mr. Pants is literally based on Rare's old mailbag mascot,
1: so. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's been just creeping in the back of my head. Of my head. What, what is that? You, you, you sparked my curiosity with a game called It's Mr. Pants.
0: It's Mr. Pants. He's Britain's most popular television star. <laughs> they annexed part of the country and called it Pantsland because he's so popular. Uh, but of course. <laughs> he stopped an alien invasion with his underpants. He's a hero. And and we
1: we will celebrate him as such. Alright, so what else you got? Okay, so I have to give a shout out to uh yeah, Azul Small suggested like I was going on and on about my woes of just like, oh I wanna I wanna experience Xenoblade Chronicles three to the fullest cause like the more I see of that game, the more I'm actually getting like cautiously, optimistically excited for it. But I just don't wanna I just don't wanna go through two. So Azul's just like, yeah, just watch Chaka Conroy play through the game. After a bit of thought I was like, Okay, yeah. I'll do that. So I have not been playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but I have been watching Chugga Conroy play it. And that has been a fascinating experience.
0: Please don't tell me we have to reevaluate Pyra and Mithra.
1: No, no we don't. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, on one hand, my feelings toward this game haven't really changed at all. Uh, my problems are still there, and some of them are actually a bit worse now that I'm watching it again. Oh no. But on, but on the other hand, there's a growing feeling that I... I if I put this, I want to like this game so badly. Like, I, I'm, I'm watching Chugga playthrough, and it's so frustrating seeing an experience where, like, if the problems I had with it didn't exist, I would love this game. It, it, it turns out that um the tutorials in that game are just absolute dog shit. Like, they genuinely do not teach you how to play the game. And when mm-hmm. you actually have Chugga, like, being there, I'm like, no, this is actually how you're supposed to play, and it, it actually seems a lot more enjoyable.
0: Who would know? Knowing how to play the game improves your ability to play it,
1: right? And before I had felt like the quality world building and writing from the first game were gone in this game. Now that I'm watching it without as much, like feeling as much time investment from actually like spending my own time playing in it, and it's showing me that no, that's still there. Like it's it's got an anime paint coating overall of it. But once you get past that, like there, there there's there's a good world here. Nice. And I was actually like pleasantly surprised by that. Like there there have been multiple points where I actually ha- pause whatever work I'm doing and start paying attention to the story because I can actually feel like getting a few hooks in me. Uh, but then the serious moments just pan the camera over to Pyra's goofy ass design and I just like nearly choke on laughter. <laughs> like it, it's so hard to have like, oh these characters are having like a very serious conversation and then it just pans the camera and like oh right. <laughs> Can't take any of these characters seriously.
0: Yeah, but there's one with the swirly glasses and the green hair and the disaster outfit. I like
1: her. Oh gosh, <laughs> oh Zeke and I can't even remember. Numa? Th- no, that's not. That's not. I like them. Uh, Pandora, they seem like a I disaster. Think they are absolute disasters. It, it, it's it's so it's so interesting. Like I feel like if the st- overall tone of the story was more lighthearted, I'd enjoy it more because of characters like that. But mm-hmm. as it stands now, it's just that. It's it's trying to do so many different things that don't mesh together. I will say now that at, I'm at least laughing at it now instead of being disappointed with it. So at, at least it's fun. Okay. Uh, what still has me disappointed and has me worried about the third game is the voice direction. I need to apologize to Rex... Because I, I was scapegoating him so hard for just like, oh, like, just what, oh, the game is so poorly voice directed, and like, as the protagonist, he's just, him screaming is awful. But like, no, he does not deserve that, because everybody is bad. There's not a single untainted performance in the entire game. Which sucks, because like, the the voice actors are all good. Like, Rex included, even. They're just throwing darts blindfolded, trying to nail their performances, and they, they do land sometimes, and it works, but... Then you just have moments, like, where, where, like, you can see in the animation where a character is clearly whispering or shouting, but the actors clearly don't know that, so they're just speaking normally. That There there was a moment where I was just in tears laughing, because there's an epic sword clash between the protagonist and the antagonist, and all clearly strained against each other, uh, mm-hmm. but they're just talking normally, as they're just arguing with each other. It's like, no, you can't do this, but this is my ride, or just, what, I don't remember the actual dialogue, but.
0: Oh, go- oh, I'm, I'm thrilled. That's. I was hoping that we would go back to the days of Sonic Adventure voice direction.
1: It's comparable. <laughs> and you have, you have people just like me like, oh, no, that some of them are good. Malos is a great antagonist. Malos just has a deep voice. It's a good deep voice. It's pleasant to listen to his voice. But it's just, he clearly just doesn't know what his context is. He's just being told, like, yeah, you're the bad guy. He's like, okay, I'll speak like a bad guy. And he speaks like a bad guy. He just doesn't need as much
0: range. Do you think he would be better if he were voiced by Robbie Damon?
1: <laughs> I mean, you can say that about literally any <laughs> character. Come on.
0: Well, well, yes, yes, yes. But what, I'm not going to say that? Continuing. <laughs>
1: And then, then then, there's the whole anime thing where the lines are stitched together, artificially sped up or slowed down to try and match lip sync, and it's just, it's really bad. It's so bad. It does lead to hilarity, because, like, since I'm watching Chugga play it, any non-spoken dialogue is voiced by Chugga himself, and he okay. actually has the context, which means that his one-man-band vocal performance actually flows better in the
0: compared to the actual voice performances. So you're saying that we need Robbie Damon and Chucka Conroy
1: on yes. this podcast,
0: okay? <laughs> and we go, okay, guys. Here's the thing: we're overdubbing all of Xenoblade Two.
1: I, there, were, there was actually a Design door comments being like, "Hey, you should ask, have guests on. Like, get Chucka Conroy to like bounce up the Xenoblade discussion." Which, like, aiming a little high there. <laughs> oh, that's that's a bit lofty, my dude. But sure, <laughs> I am I am enjoying the experience. I will say n- now. Like it's not always for the reason that the game wants me to enjoy it. Also, there's a neighbor mowing the lawn. Sorry if that's picking up over the microphone.
0: I can't hear it, so I'm fine. Okay, if you, good. the audience, can hear it, shut up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I'm having a similar enjoyment. I I, I don't want to say to Sonic 06 because Sonic 06 is a terrible game, but it's that similar vein of it. What's bad here is still providing me entertainment value.
0: Bro, you can't insult Sonic Six like that. That's like my sixth favorite Sonic game. <laughs> yes,
1: but it's fun because it's bad.
0: Yes, but it's so much better but,
1: than like, just it, being it's, okay. It's the Jello Apocalypse rating system. Like, uh, like you, once you start getting into the low negative numbers, like a negative nine is basically the same thing as a nine, just for completely different reasons. Exactly, it's so bad. <laughs> I love it. (laughs) Oh, just to head off the comment, because people always say this when I complain about voice acting. I know people like to say just, just play with the Japanese voices, but I hate having to read dialogue. I like to get really immersed in stories and having to bounce my eyes between, like, bottom of the screen and the action just to read whatever's going on. I miss things constantly. It's a barrier that I've only managed to take Tank through for Attack on Titan, and that actually just, that's it. That's it. Xenoblade 2 isn't worth that. And I'll, I'll tank that, just as someone who studied voice
0: acting, I love being able to hear vocal inflections, and obviously I'm going to be able to understand actors' choices more easily in the language that I am not only accustomed to, but know how to act in. You can understand tonality and emotion universally, despite language, but there's a matter of subtlety that gets lost if you're doing it uh, through subtitles. And that's not just the fact that you're diverting your eyes from the main action a little bit to read. I love subtitled media. There are some stories that I will only experience subbed. But if there is a good dub, if there is the ability to enjoy something, I want to see what those actors
1: and what that effort put out. I always see people be like, oh, you gotta respect the original voice actors, which I hate so much because that, like, implies that the dub actors aren't deserving of the respect. Like, just come on. I do, but I am
0: equipped by virtue of speaking in English to understand the English delivery a little better and more nuanced. Like, my ability to appreciate the work is more sharp in English.
1: Just to kind of give an example, because I, I, I agree, I feel the same way about it. Um, the Japanese language flows in a different order than English. So, like, even though you have subtitles below, like, the specific words that they're, like, really enunciating, to, like, really focus on, like, what they mean, isn't going to match up with what they're speaking. And there, there's something lost there, when you can't really follow, like, where they're putting emotion or focus into, to, like, focus on highlight different aspects of the storytelling.
0: Yeah, it's just the pattern, the pacing of a conversation is completely different.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's why dubbing is so hard.
1: I- indeed. Especially since, like, it- it-, it it feels like it's just not given much respect. Like, it's kind of feel- felt like an afterthought of, like, oh, we're translating this for people, let's just kind of just rush this out. Like, Xenoblade 2 was absolutely a rushed dub. Like, I think that was mm-hmm. the first Xenoblade game that they had a simultaneous release. Oh, and, like, between, like, we, there's confirmation from the actors themselves that, like, yeah, this was a very, they, they didn't, they barely gave us any direction. Gotcha. And I, th- that, that's my biggest worry for 3. That, like, it's still a simultaneous release. It's actually, it's a, it's a moved up <laughs> simultaneous release at that. Right? Which is, like, yeah, okay, I don't know what they you're smoking at Monolith Soft, but, like, could I have some of that productivity, please? I'd Yeah. I'd love it. <laughs> yeah, th- th- that, that's one worry. As well as I hope they don't have, like... They need to tone down the Nop-On in this series. The Nop-On are the little fuzzball sphere creatures. Yes. yes. And, and there's just one in two named Tora. That, that's the one with the child-made robot. Y- y- that, yes, the, the, the little horny one. The in, teddy. In, yes. In, in the immortal words of video game donkey, some weirdo shit. <laughs> but, like, that's not even the worst thing about Tora. Like it, it, in Xenoblade comment co- comment combat, goodness. The characters always have like a set line of phrases that they constantly yell over and over and over again. Half of Taurus are just it going meh 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 meh. It's so annoying. Oh, it is just like mm. a nervous tick of some kind, and not in a, like a, an endearing way. Oh, you're it's- taking me back to the Dungeons of Persona Four, where
0: every time Teddy walks, he makes a squeaking noise. No,
1: it's that exact same thing. <laughs>
0: Oh, oh, no, I understand your visceral
1: frustration there. <laughs> it's just, oh, I, I mean, you, you have Chugga going the whole time. It's like, I, people say that Tora is annoying, and I just don't understand that when Tora's there literally going just like, mama, mama. <laughs> I just don't see it. That that, that that character is unchuggable. It's unchuggable. I'm not touching that word. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Okay, yeah. Didn't think about that before it left my head. Oh, well. I'll, I'll live with that. Alright, that's it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Th- yeah, that's the title, Unchuggable Torna.
1: <laughs> oh, god, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Okay. Okay, that's all I have to say about Xenoblade 2. Like, it's still- I still have the same problems with it, but I found a way to enjoy it.
0: Alright. So, I'd like to take you on a little journey. If Ooh, you just okay. clo- close your eyes for a second, I'd like you to just fade off and imagine a lovely forest. It's early morning. Sun is peeking through the branches. Oh, yes. There's a little stream. There's a tiny little friend, a little beaver in the stream. He's waving to you. He's like, hey, he's a cute little beaver friend. You love him. And you're out there with your grandfather. And your grandfather is cool. He's strongly built. He's got a cool white beard. He's wearing sunglasses. The sun isn't really peeking through all that much, but he thinks it makes him look cool, and you have to agree. And you're out here with him, and uh, you're going to get firewood. And your grandfather is with you, and he goes, you know, this is the axe that I used as a boy. Now it is your time. Go and provide for the family. And he hands you this axe, and it is badly dented, it is splintered, there are holes in the handle, and in fact, there are maggots coming out of it. It's actually disgusting. You hate even holding onto it, but no, he gives you this maggot wood axe, and he smiles. That smile is not the caring smile of your grandfather. That is the smile of a demon. That is the smile of someone who knows that my childhood was terrible, and you're going to feel this exact same pain. So you start hacking away at the tree, and every so often your maggotwood axe shatters, and there's nothing that you could do about it. So you go back to your grandfather, and, you know, you're expecting a nice replacement axe, or apologizing, he goes, nah, here you go. And he has another maggotwood axe that is exactly the same, and exactly as shitty, and you keep going at that tree, cause you gotta cut down the tree. But it keeps shattering. But eventually, you start getting it. You start understanding. But sometimes, it just shatters for no reason. And you know what? You have to go back. And you have to go all the way back to your grandfather and he hands you another. But your grandfather is actually a druid. And when you fail to cut down the tree, he brings the tree back to full health. And you realize that this isn't your grandfather. This is the devil. And the devil is here to make sure that you never leave this forest. But you gotta cut down the tree, and then you turn back and you see the devil has a chainsaw. And he's just cutting down trees all the way that he wants to. And you're crying a little bit, but sometimes, as you keep on going, the devil gives you his chainsaw. And you keep on going and carving through, but sometimes... You make a tiny mistake, and if you make any mistake, the devil kicks you in the balls and gives you the maggotwood axe again, and goes, keep on going, and you realize this forest, it wasn't pretty at all. In fact, it was polluted and terrible. Those lovely rocks you saw are actually a pile of used syringes. That beautiful river (laughs) that you saw is actually not a river at all. It's a pile of toxic sludge. With you syringes in it. That beaver, it approaches you and it takes off its beaver flesh and it's a little leprechaun with a shotgun. And the leprechaun goes, oh, you best be going back to your home, me boyo. And you go, no, I have to keep going. And he goes, oh, well, looks like you're going to have to keep on going. And then you keep on chopping trees down with your maggot wood axe because that's the way men do it while the leprechaun is shooting you. And then you do it. You get the firewood. You're made, you're set, you bring it back to your grandfather, the devil horns fade away, you present him with your work, he smiles and he goes, Do it again. And he breaks the wood right in front of you and he hands you a butter knife. (laughs) That is the experience of playing Super Ghouls and Ghosts.
1: (laughs) That was beautiful. I was actually feeling kind of zen at the first bit there. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> I have never seen Uh-oh. a game that knows exactly what it's being and simultaneously hates you. This is the next game in the Ghosts and Goblins series. And you know you know Ghosts and Goblins by reputation. Oh yeah. It's a yeah. hard series. Your jump is super stiff, you have a double jump, but you're locked into your momentum whenever you do a jump. You have two hits and you die. And that's the game. To its credit, this game is very, very generous, because you can choose how many lives that you have, and if you start with nine lives, then you will easily get enough points for a free continue within those nine lives. So, like, even setting aside, like, being able to play this on the Switch and being able to rewind or make save stage, which I avoided doing, this is a game that, with enough time, you can very much beat. The issue is the game hates you. It sets enemies explicitly in places where you are going to jump. It puts obstacles explicitly in difficult-to-reach areas. It puts enemies on an arc... Where it will hit a ladder as you're going down it, and you can't do anything when you're going up and down a ladder, you have to climb the ladder. So you have to time it perfectly, but you better not have an enemy from earlier in the stage, which will chase you all the way through the stage if you ignore it. And this is a game that it hates you, yet it's a game where you can get a full screen-clearing nuke. Like, you just summon a giant dragon if you get the gold armor, which you have to go through basically half the stage completely untouched, and also find secret treasure chests that power you up in order to get it. Mm -hmm. But if you get it, you get a full screen-clearing nuke, and you can spam it as much as you want. Oh. And it's still difficult because, like platforms will spawn deliberately off-tempo so that you die to them. Oh, no. Yeah, it's it's a full game of that. There's a level that's like Mode 7 technology where it tilts the stage, and your character kind of has really awkward physics, so sometimes you'll just slip off a platform. Who the hell cares? And my favorite thing that it does is, y- you're aware of the Red reamer, right? The Little yes. Red Devil. Yes. Stage, I believe- Six or seven in the game is a very small castle stage. And you walk forward, and there he is. And the entire first part of the stage is just you in a room with him. Fight him. And the thing about him is that he explicitly dodges your attacks. If he's not in an animation where he's attacking you, he will always, at the very last second, dodge right out of the way, even into a wall or floor. Oh, he is the worst. It's kind of amazing. So, it's a duel and it will cost you more lives than the actual level design. So, then you beat him, you climb up a ladder, and there's another one. <laughs> there's a second one, and it's just there, and you just have to deal with him. And if you skip the first one, now you have two of them. <laughs> And if you skip both of them, now you're locked in a room that has two cockatrice heads and you have to beat the cockatrice heads in order to progress down the ladders. But if the Red Oremers are still there, then you have to simultaneously bait their AI so they don't attack you while beating the cockatrice heads. And it's much easier to do that than just beating them one on one. (laughs) So you get past that. Maybe you beat all of them. You go down the ladder and there's a third one. So you get past that, and that's the entire stage. It's like five enemies. I
1: love that so much. I hate to play it. It is
0: (laughs) miserable. And then at the end of the game, the princess goes, Oh, Arthur, you are the bravest and coolest man. But you're not good enough to beat Satan. Quickly, I discarded my bracelet on the way here. Can you go back and get it for me and then come back? So it restarts you at the start of the game. But this time, it spawns a bracelet weapon. And this weapon sucks. But you have to bring it to the end of the game. That's the only way to unlock the final boss. And it only spawns on the second run. Oh, no. I did not do this. I I got it. It felt bad. I knew this was what happened. I did not think it would feel as bad as it did, but I have cleared one run totally legit of Super Ghouls and Ghosts, and I'm satisfied with that. (laughs) This game, like, has modern sensibilities. It understands, like, time has moved on since Super Mario Bros. 1. Like, it's seen Super Mario World, and it knows what it's about, and it chooses instead to deliberately ignore that to mock you. (laughs) I hate this game. I respect the hell out of it. None of this is unintentionally bad design.
1: This is purposefully bad design all over. It's it's so it's so funny because like so many games just try to be that kind of like masochistic difficulty sort of deal. Mm-hmm. But it, but it, how do I put this? They don't like commit to the bit. Mm-hmm. It sounds like. Super Ghosts and Ghouls just commits as hard as it possibly can.
0: (laughs) It really does. And again, it gives you a full screen clear attack as much as it wants. You do have moments of empowerment. But you suck. The game knows you suck. And the game takes every opportunity to tell you that you suck. Power-ups don't spawn randomly or aren't set in the level. You have to walk or pass over a specific part of the terrain. And then a treasure chest will appear. It's consistent, but you won't know it until you walk over this completely benign part of the terrain. And depending on how powerful you are at that moment, it could spawn extra health, it could spawn points, or it could spawn a tiny little devil who turns you into a frog. (laughs) And more often than not, if you're low on health, it's going to be that devil.
1: Oh, so it's like punish? Oh, that, I love that. Yes. I love that so much. Yes,
0: if you do really good... It will make you do good. If you make one mistake, fuck you specifically. And it's going to put every possibility for you to make that mistake in. This feels like the perfect game to watch somebody else play. You are completely right, but not someone who's good at it. Like, someone who's good at it, that'll be impressive. Someone who's playing it for the first time and can't stop playing it for whatever reason? Oh, you just some can't play the down money from a is. challenge. Yes. yes.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: The money is seeing the suffering. And do I think that there are much better hard games? Yes, I think I want to be the guy does this much better by mixing in humor with it, for instance. But like this game was outdated when it came out in 91. And it knew that. And it celebrated that. And like If I had to rate games by the amount of balls they have, this is one of the ballsiest balls
1: games. (laughs) I've just been sitting here this entire time thinking, like, how on earth am I going to edit visuals for that opening bit? (laughs) (laughs) Like, how do I even... I'm going to have to, like, edit something properly. I was going to spoil what the game is. Well, you know, like, when Alpharad
0: does it and he just moves, like, Photoshop images around?
1: I mean that's basically what half of my editing style is in the
0: first place. He got it. He got it. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. Super yeah. Ghouls and Ghosts. Um, not as good of a game as Blue's Clues, uh, Blue's <laughs> Alphabet Book, yes. but also purposefully designed to be worse than Blue's Clues, Blue's <laughs> Alphabet Book.
1: Uh, I am I am delighted to hear about it, and equally delighted that I have no desire to play it myself. I think everyone should see someone play this game once. Oh no, absolutely! I, the, the first thing I'm gonna do after this recording is done is just try to find gameplay footage of just people being frustrated at this game.
0: Yes. Oh, maybe the Game Center CX episode is still up. I'll try to see if I can find that. I would. I would love to see it. All right. Any more suffering that you need to describe or? No, that is all the games that I was able, able to, to play Grandpa? this month. Nah, nah, nah. Grandpa's done. He's disowned me. Okay.
1: All right, so I had one big major experience this month that I absolutely adored, but to properly explain it, I first want to start with a history lesson about Age of Empires 2. Because I think this game is the absolute pinnacle of supporting a video game that no other company has reached, yet nobody ever talks about it. Okay, all right, yeah, give me history about history. Okay, so, uh, the year is 1999. Age of Empires II, The Age of Kings, releases to a glorious success, has a good variety of civilizations to play as, I think it was Thirteen at first? Yeah, Thirteen. Several wonderful campaigns depicting historical figures like Joan of Arc and Genghis Khan, both of which were built upon with an expansion a few years later. And that's where things should have ended. Ensemble Studios moved on with Age of Mythology and Age of Empires III, and II's fanbase just kind of slowly simmered down and faded away. But it never died. Like I've been gushing about the last two months, uh, real-time strategy games are really good at capturing very loyal fan bases, Partially because of the competitive scenes that arise around them, but also because of how easily moddable they are. And how developers actively enable that modding. Mm-hmm. And there was one especially impressive mod called The Forgotten Empires. Where a group of people were trying to make an add-on to get some more civilizations, more ones that they felt were forgotten by the original game, to expand it even further. And now I just I just want to ask, what do you think Microsoft did when they caught wind of this? Like video game developers and fan projects, they never mix well. So w- what happened? What happened? Do you think?
0: Uh, they they gave them a lovely picnic and a small uh, C and D, but also it was written on a cupcake.
1: Yeah, you you think that for, with most things. But Microsoft sees the Forgotten Empires mod And YEARS before Sonic Mania was even an idea in SEGA's head, they contract that team to form the Forgotten Empire Studio SPECIFICALLY for the purpose of developing more expansion content for the entire Age of Empires series. Oh, they valved it! Let's go! Yeah, starting with the Age of Empires 2 The Forgotten in 2013, and they've continued with content for 2, 1, 3, and even mythology since then. Like, this studio is still around today. It's still working on these expansions. They've they've been doing this for almost 10 years now. But, but surely, that's all Microsoft would ask, right? You have a steady supply of income here from, like, occasional expansions. Why why devote more resources to this old game? But no, these games aren't up to modern standards. Let's have this studio build the entire series back up with modern graphics, sound design, and features while still keeping the same timeless gameplay the fans have always loved for decades. And that's when the definitive editions hit. Okay. Which just like brought it straight up to on par with StarCraft II and just I don't want to say it like has like taken the King of RTS games from Starcraft 2, but it kinda has.
0: Well, I mean, StarCraft 2 can take it from itself. It took the crown and it just decided to leave it on the ground
1: and say, if anyone wants it And then and then Microsoft just kind of picked it up and was like, hey, we got this slumbering series right here. Let's just let's just dump some money into this. But then surely that's all. You got the you got the definitive editions, but now you got Age of Empires 4 coming out. There's a new game in the series. It's time for the definitive edition of the games. They're definitive, after all, they're their final forms. Let's let the new kid on the block have some spotlights. But then the last thing you expect is for production to go into overdrive for now this now two-decade old game. That would be ridiculous, except that they literally released two expansions in the last year. As was well another last month! Which is why I'm talking about it today. And the latest one, the first release since Age of Empires 4 came out, has more content than the two that came before it. Production for this 23-year-old game is literally moving upward, it's gaining momentum. Okay. I don't think there's any other game like that in existence. No other studio where a big publisher has realized that fans love this product hired those fans to make it better and has just given them free reign for the last decade to just do whatever they want to make it the best product it could possibly be. Yeah, hell, I can't think of anything. Yeah, like, because, like, there's plenty of games that could have that. Like, Team Fortress 2, most of the that Blizzard games.
0: The only thing that came close in my mind was TF2. Yeah,
1: and TF2, like, they supported it for a while, but then that died away. And just, like, why? That That's such, a, that's such an easy money. Microsoft's the only one. Microsoft! You never hear people talk about like that kind of support from them, but then you have this, and uh, just the best part of all this—every uh, all this support that i have been given. How much do you think it costs right now to get the full Age of Empires 2 experience? Um,
0: cash with DLC, I would say forty base, and then
1: like forty for DLC. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. That makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Uh so when they released the definitive editions, just this wholehearted encapsulation of everything they've worked on, that's um including like the original game, the original expansion to that, and the three expansions they've made, along with the fourth one that they made in the definitive edition, they baked into it, cost $20 for the definitive edition. Costs the same as Hollow Knight. For triple the content of the original game. And then each DLC expansion they've added to it, it's 10. This game, for everything that it has, this game I've put five hundred hours into costs less than a triple-A experience. They gotta add one more expansion to even hit that benchmark. Huh. It also has a thriving competitive scene that Microsoft fully supports. It has communication with like several high-profile like community members that constantly give feedback into the game and they implement that feedback. This, I feel comfortable claiming, this is like the best community outreach game just that has ever been made. I can't think of anything better. Age of Empires 2 loves its fans. Yeah, nah. Brain failing to think of
0: anything even similar. Like, what what do I add? I've got nothing. You can't just hit me with unabashed positivity. It, it, it's not
1: supposed to exist in this industry, right? Exactly. You don't see the people, you don't see Nintendo saying like, Oh, hey, AM2R guys, just come over here. We like you. I mean, second of Sonic Mania, but, like, you haven't heard anything about that, like, continuing that initiative since. This has been going on for nine years. It's getting better and better. Like, I have no doubt that they're just gonna keep adding more. Like, Asian Mythology is, like, slated to be the next definitive edition. And, like, Asian Mythology is such an underrated gem of a game. It's, like, that same, like, strategy, like, medieval kind of setting, but they just throw mythological units in the same time. Like, you got, like, Greek Cyclopses fight off against Egyptian, like, Anubites, and it's just, oh, it's so good. I like
0: that. I like that. Oh, I'm going to hit people with so many
1: okay. <laughs> and that brings me to like what what they actually added to the game. Because I, w- I want to talk a bit about this. Oh, yeah. And I want to talk about how they announced this. Because you-, you know how Steam has those like those little like message bars? Like, oh, this game had this little update here. And it just kind of ha- goes down the list. Yeah. I-, I noticed one for Age of Empires 2. But it was one that had been posted... Like six months prior, but it jumped back up to like the top of the list. So like for some reason there was a six year old, six month old announcement that was just being treated as new. So I was like, aha! that's weird. Like like what? Why why is this here? I cl- click on it. I'm just gonna send you this image, which I'll put on screen. All right. At the bottom of the announcement, there's just this. Those are elephants. Those are indeed elephants. You just kind of look at this. It doesn't mean anything to somebody who hasn't played, but then, like at me knowing this game, it's like, huh. That's an that's a that's a elephant archer. That's the unique unit of the Indian civilization. And then there's some battle elephants there, which the Indian civilization doesn't have. Okay, then that that, that, that piques my curiosity. So I keep looking through other blog posts, and just scattered throughout their old like blog posts, they're just different pieces of a puzzle. Showcasing a screenshot, and that second one I just sent to you, those are completely di- new units that have never been seen in the game before. So oh, okay, there's just some realization is like people the like, throughout the community start waking up being like, oh, this is, like, the most fun I've ever had with, like, a developer teasing new content because there's, throughout social media posts and just Steam posts and just emails and just all over the place, there's just these tiny little puzzle pieces that you have to build into a full screenshot that eventually reveal, like, what this DLC is about. Which is, this DLC has been really cool because, um, way, 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 way back when it was just the forgotten, um, expansion mod to the game, they obviously didn't know that this they were going to have the opportunity to like build this grand game that they have now. So they kind of added very um catch-all civilizations to the game. Like instead of like doing the the Sicilians, the Genoesians, the Venetians, they just did the Italians. Uh right. Slavs covered like basically all of Eastern Europe. And they kind of just threw all of like India into a single Indian civilization. Okay. So now that they've been able to go on for so long, they just realized that, huh we can just keep doing this. So let's actually like go back and like split apart these like blanket civilizations into something that's more historically accurate. So Ooh. this expansion was the dynasties of India and it splits the Indian civilizations into uh, I believe it's Hindustani, Dravidians, Bengalis and oh one more that's escaping me. Gujaras, Gujaras. Which is which is just fucking awesome because I don't know anything about like that side of the world and its history, which is Nor one of the best do I things about very well. It's, it's, yeah, it's one of the best things about Age of Empires too, because it actually teaches you, like, about really cool historical figures from whatever civilization that, that their campaigns cover. So I've been just going through these and learning about the, the, the journeys of Devapala or Raja Raja and just the Conquest of Babur. And just, oh, it's just... I love that I can play a fantastic real-time strategy game and learn something about history at the same time. Yes. Is,
0: i is... I'm sorry to not commentate, but it's just... I have nothing here to say but other than to agree with that. Just the sentiment of simultaneously learning and seeing something expand and grow and how foreign that is for the video game industry.
1: Yeah, like, with how much we, like, rag on Smash Brothers, like, it's refusal to go back and, like, change old things. Mm-hmm. Like, you you can imagine how delighted I am that the Fruaten Empires team isn't above just being like, okay, like, we know that people have gotten used to this thing, but we feel like if we split it apart and, like, really try to flesh it out further it could be something better right i adore that in game design so much it's so cool to watch people like try to build on something they tried they tried before yes yeah i don't i I do just want to shout out how brilliant the forgotten empires team is at like building on to this game even further and further because at this point there are 42 civilizations um in age of empires 2 like all, t- more than triple what the original game had, and all the civilizations in that game are built off of the same base. Like you have a barracks, and they have the access to the same units there. You have an archer range and the same access to the same units there. But mm-hmm. every single civilization is, has access to like different levels of tiers there, and different bonuses that like allow like one has archers that fire a little bit faster, or one has a, an infantry unit that regenerates hit points. Or just things like that. I played
0: Warcraft three. I know what this means.
1: Yeah, and yet somehow they keep finding new ways to just flesh out things in various different ways. Like, one of the new ones has an upgrade that just lets their infantry ignore all armor, which is ridiculously broken. It's like, oh crap, how are you supposed to do that? You look at their tech tree, and you realize that they have the most pathetic stables out of the entire, every civilization out there. So, like, they have a massive death ball of really powerful units, but they're slow, so you can get around them really easily. I do love the idea of using history as a guideline for your balance patch no but but seriously like you, you have the franks there and they, they have like really good cavalry because obviously uh yes. you have the britons with, with their longbows they're really good they have really good archers they get um really cool influences from like indian civilizations with this one like uh the armor shredding infantry they have these really cool um rumi swordsmen the rumi is an indian weapon that's basically a a sword whip it's a very thin sheet of metal oh yes which has splash yes. damage which is just awesome like chakram floors and chariots that can switch between melee and archers and it's just ah oh, it's so ah oh, i'm I'm so glad that younger me had the sense to make this one of his favorite games because it has been paid off in dividends
0: oh i'm upset that younger me didn't younger me liked it but then younger me played more warcraft 3 custom maps
1: <laughs> oh and some of the some of the custom maps in age of empires 2 or there, there's one called Exploding Kings mm-hmm. which is like it's a, it's a it's a basic Age of Empires 2 game but um you have a king that you have to protect right like, that that's pretty standard for like most um Age of Empires 2 games but if that king dies uh explodes in a nuke that takes out like a 10th of uh, the map anything nearby <laughs> just dies oh that's lovely uh, it it doesn't have a mod scene as like diverse as StarCraft 2 but like there's still some great stuff in there like they've they've like imported models from like old Star like Star Wars games and Lord of the Rings games. Mm-hmm. There's one that got like models from like Zoo Tycoon and just like <laughs> implemented dinosaurs in that way. Oh, that's lovely. It's been it's been a delightful time. If anybody out there has like any interest in real-time strategy games, this like y- you can't go wrong with this game. Like even if the multiplayer of RTS scares you, because like it does for me, I put 500 hours into this game. I think maybe like 20 of those are multiplayer. There is so much single player content here. I'll just going through. I think there's like 30 campaigns, all with like five or six missions each. Like th- th- this is that's really encouraging. It, it it's literally two decades of just work being poured into the game for 50 bucks. I I think RTS games
0: just have this reputation of impregnability, and I think the prominence of MOBAs that have
1: come out of them have not helped that uh General perception at all? Yeah, that and the fact that the fans of RTSs are always like they 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 don't do themselves any favors advertising their games out there. They they get like reinforced like oh you gotta be so competitive at you really don't. Like I play Age of Empires two to relax because like it's just nice to build up a city like slowly build up an army and then just stampede through an enemy base with a wall of elephants like that just feels good. Yeah, and it sounds it sounds much faster than a game of Civ. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, if you like that civilization experience, like, you can have that here. Like, it can get a little stressful, but, like, there's difficulty options. Like, you don't have to feel bad. And if you really feel stressed out, there's cheat codes. RTSs have some of the best cheat codes out there. Like, you can just type in vroom vroom in this game. And in this mm. medieval setting game, you just have a cobra car with a machine gun. You can just drive <laughs> around and destroy everything. Oh, that's there, there is a shark with a jetpack that is being ridden by a cat. That shoots lasers. I like this. That's a buddy. You can just get a, you just get a, a random astronaut that crash lands onto the stage. It's 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 really great. <laughs> I really love this game, man. <laughs> I can tell. It, it sounds pretty good. But yeah, it, it's 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 really a game that deserves more credit for what it's done. Like I I I appreciate people like really praising like Sonic Mania and experiences like that. But like no man, Age of Empires 2 is uncontested in this area. You want a, a hallmark of how a video game studio can support a decades-old game? This is that hallmark. This is the gold standard. Very nice. All right, and that's all I had to say about Age of Empires 2. Sh- shall we get into Future sites? Future sites.
0: All right, we got a bunch of stories, so let's just go ahead and get through them. Let's see what happened in the past month, and then look to our futures. First up, Babylon's Fall, Platinum Game and Square Enix Joint Venture Games as a Service Game. Big game. Falls to less than 10 players on Steam. (laughs) I
1: wish I could say I'm surprised, but I'm, I'm not. This
0: is a game that had disaster ridden all over it, and it was! I just, I say this because this is a games as a service game from Square Enix, the company that has the best game that is a service in the world financially speaking right now. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, FF14 is doing insane right now, and they're like another one though. And I hope Platinum Games
1: doesn't die. Hey, Platinum Games is such a weird. They they either produce absolute perfection or, well, Babylon's fall. <laughs> They make
0: incredible games that don't sell, or okay games that sell...
1: The Yeah, I, I, I hope... I, I love the ideas behind their games, but... Like, Wonderful 101 is fantastic, Bayonetta is obviously fantastic. I mm-hmm. wanted to play Scalebound so badly, but then they just make Babylon's Fall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: sometimes they make games that they have to to keep the lights on, and those yeah. games aren't great. With all apologies to people who liked the Korra game, I guess. Oh, right. That was them, too. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, no More Heroes 3 will be ported to the PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox, and PC
1: this fall. Which, like, we kind of talked about this earlier. Like, par- part of me is grateful for that because that's the... The experience of that zany series deserves to be experienced by more people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, so much of that humor is kind of built around, like the finale especially, is built around yes. Nintendo. Yes, oh my god, if
0: you guys don't know about No More Heroes 3, either look up The Final Boss or look up Velvet Chair Girl. <laughs> <laughs> and you will understand nothing. But you will understand everything.
1: Ugh, I want to play this game so bad. It's, if it goes on sale on Switch, I'm getting it. The only thing holding me back is I don't think the, the gameplay really appeals to me. I, it's just not my cup of tea.
0: but like, I don't think it needs to.
1: Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I don't know if it needs to.
0: I think that if it's just okay, and the rest of the game experience props it up, then I'm more than willing to forgive it. I've been told it's the best No More
1: Heroes combat has been, and I thought 2's was alright. The raw humor and chaos of that series is something that very few other games even come close to. And when they try, they just end up being just... Forced or cringy or some mixture of the both, uh, too. But like, No More Heroes knows what it is and it owns it. Yes, it is proud of it. Absolutely.
0: Want to play some good news, bad news, oh god news? Uh, sure. Okay. okay. Uh, good. Good news. Sonic Origins has
1: been announced and it will release June twenty third. That is the. Uh, that is the collection of one, two, three, and something else one two three and knuckles and cd cd yeah yeah but you know that's cool yeah
0: and this is specifically so- the uh, sonic 3 and knuckles version not sonic 3 and sonic and knuckles so it's the full linked game the full linked experience and this is the first time that uh, christian whitehead and uh, his studio the team behind sonic mania is tackling
1: sonic 3 and knuckles oh hey well, whole. well i was just saying like hey they are still working on it i'm glad to hear that yeah sega take sega took notes
0: yeah, this is all of their, uh, ports as well from the mobile versions, nice. so this is all of their added content. This is going to be the best versions of all of these
1: games. Very nice. It's going to be $40. I'm just saying that if purse is 20 That has more content. Worst news,
0: Knuckles is not playable in Sonic CD, despite being playable in all the others. That's just Why? Also, it has Denuvo Anti-Cheat,
1: which is a kernel-level process. Oh, no! I I recognized the name for a second. I was like, okay, that's bad, but I don't remember why. Yes, that is bad. Uh,
0: For those who don't know that, and I barely know it, uh, it's a process that happens at your computer's boot-up. So it is something that you cannot uh, slow down, you cannot halt, you cannot close out of without doing a full uninstall reset completely scrubbing the hard drive of it and it is known to cause performance issues and if that has any issue it will affect your computer as a whole fine isn't it just absolutely delightful and oh god news standalone genesis sonic games to be delisted on may 20th
1: because, you know, the, the one thing that any studio wants to be doing right now is looking over at Blizzard, looking at their businesses, and just be like, you know what, I want to emulate that. Warcraft 3 Reforged was such a great idea. Let's do that with Sonic. Yeah, so
0: if you want to play video games still, if you want to play these cheap ROMs that are literally just the ROMs, uh, for like, the $3 that they're probably worth right now, because they've been re-released so many times, do that probably in the next couple days by the time this goes up, or else you won't be able to for less than $40. Or for the Switch Online service, which has Sonic 2,
1: I think. Uh, yep, yep. That's just... I I, I... I understand it from a business sense. Like, that, that, that's logical. Like, you want them to buy the new product, but it's so shady. It sure is. And then there's also the
0: fact that you can get a $5 upgrade version for things that have stuff like menu transitions being able to move the camera (laughs) on the menu
1: (laughs) i'm sorry what
0: yeah you get fancy transitions for five extra dollars
1: i didn't hear about this bit
0: oh you did hear about how they chunked it up into a bunch of different let me see if i can find it
1: yes please do i need to i need to know origins just the menu transition tier is there also an options menu music tier? Do I have to pay an extra $2 for that? Animated title card tier?
0: There we go. So you can see what every what version on? of the game okay, has.
1: Okay. <laughs> right off the bat, if there is a if there is a version all the way to the right that does not have everything unlocked. I don't care what else is in there. What is wrong with you? It's, oh my god. What, what is? Uh, classic music pack specific uh, uh that's
0: you know character P- animation in the main fun menu. Pack.
1: God, character animations oh. during music islands. Oh. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm so glad that their main inspirations were Warcraft Three Reforged and Assassin's Creed. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know what a letterbox background is, but why it doesn't have the mirror mode on? What? Why? I. <sighs> Unless those are, like, like, things you unlock in the game and they're not wanting to put it in, but, like... Okay, it's also, it's free... Okay, never mind. Okay, it's free DLC. I saw that. Okay, I sh... That's not... Uh, that's that's only... That's 10% less stupid than the 525% that it currently is. I like your bafflement in this confusion. It makes me happy. It's just Sonic! Why are you overcomplicating it? You it's gotta hit the so- new
0: generation with what they've come to expect. <laughs> I've...
1: Mean- no, no, you know, I, I bet that is the, the the mindset of some some executive out there. It's just like, oh, we got to make sure the younger generations are, like, able to fit in here. We got to make sure that, like, they recognize it. So here's the passes. They'll they'll be <laughs> comforted by the sight of all these different tiers. They'll they'll be able to brag to their friends that they got the digital deluxe edition and guilt them into buying it themselves. You got to have that, like, competition on the playground.
0: Kids love the mini buys. We got to get them oh. to buy all the minis.
1: <laughs> oh. oh. May I remind you again that you can buy everything in age of empires two for this exact same price you may and you will get a much more in-depth game and experience that you will be able to play for hundreds of hours if it clicks with you to be fair these are good sonic games No, yeah so they're like, good sonic games like, i'm, I'm but... not going to diss people they're they're not my
0: personal cup of tea of the sonic series but they're good and like if they're like upgraded with like mania stuff they might yeah, they're going to be... be the best versions of these games but no knuckles in CD. <laughs> that's so dumb. Like, why? No, you know, because they that, made the CD version first, and they don't want to change it.
1: They're going to go back on that, and be like, like oh, yeah, we, he- we heard the fans, and yeah, here's the free update. Maybe that's like even an intentional... If, if they're going to be doing this shady with like the different business tiers, I wouldn't even be surprised. Yeah. I, that, that's, that is my video game con- conspiracy theory. Yep, and Amy will continue to be neglected. Oh, yep. yeah, it's Modern Sonic. Like, Amy doesn't exist anymore.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Sega, uh, the rumor come out, new Jet Set Radio and Crazy Taxi Super Game free-to-play
1: initiative reported. Was this the thing where they were talking about, like, this is going to be the next Fortnite?
0: Yeah, no, this is part of the Sega Super Games initiative, which is to make big Fortnite-like games. And uh, the rumors are currently that those properties are Crazy Taxi, which makes sense. Like, I could see a big city where you just do crazy taxi things. And Jet Set Radio, famously super pro-capitalist game.
1: Yeah, just, just, it's the one thing you think of when you think skater punk.
0: You think they love authority so much. Of course. Yeah, Beat and Gum, they love the stock market. It's their big favorite. They skate down
1: Wall Street. I, I, I I just love those just... Just those out-of-touch, like, news stories, just, like, the highly idealistic, just, business people, like, oh, yeah, we, we can do something like that. Now,
0: to be fair, uh, is it possible that this isn't real? Very much so. Hideki Naganuma is, like, the least quiet person about saying, I really want to make Jet Set Radio, but Sega won't let me. Please let me make Jet Set Radio. I want to be everyone's funky uncle.
1: It, it was him and- that, that's, that's where the rumor come from, came from. He, he, he try, Just trying to spark up the interest for it. To show no, him- <laughs> he, He's already working on Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, so-
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's he's fine, and the fact that he's not spouting anything makes it go like, is this real? I don't know, but the Crazy Taxi one seems viable to me, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, if, if you want to try, go for it. I'm just- Yeah. Manage your expectations a little bit.
0: I mean, that's an easy one to do mini buys with, just license music and make people pay for each track. Yeah, true, true. I don't know. It's weird. But if we get more Crazy Taxi, I do like Crazy Taxi. I have never played, but I've heard the reputation. It's fun. You run the taxi cab around and you drive real fast and you get better every time.
1: Yeah, I I, I collected that. Co- <laughs> that title clued me
0: in. Yeah, it's taxi and it's crazy. Uh, we got a duo of release dates. Uh, Splatoon 3 will release September 9th. And Xenoblade 3 had its release date moved up and launches July 29th.
1: Again, just like how? Is there any other studio out there that's just like, you know what, we're we're on we're ahead of schedule. I would ahead, think Splatoon this 3 needed more time. Yeah. That's I'll, what I would expect. I, I swear, if that comes at the cost of like the English translation i'm going to be not surprised but just please 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 get this right i'm actually excited for that game
0: yeah uh comments why should i be excited for splatoon 3
1: i see gameplay and you could tell me that it was gameplay from 2 or 1 i've asked a few of my commenters about it and I, I, i'm getting like from like a mechanical standpoint there's a few cool things there like there's a there's a spider-man grapple onto walls that looks neat okay there's a bow weapon. You can play as Hampston Hampston Hammond from Overwatch and a wrecking ball. Okay, but I, it's it's still like it's still Splatoon.
0: Right, right. You're essentially introducing what like two, three new character classes in a traditional, mm-hmm. shooter
1: expanding Salmon Run. Which I swear, if they still have Salmon Run locked behind like time gates, that was so. But why? Oh, they will. Splatoon is always weird about time gates. I suppose so. I, I I don't want to disparage Splatoon. I enjoy like the the vibes of that ser- series. I'm glad it's doing so well. I'm glad it's found a fan base. I just I just don't really feel a need to the the it, its growth as a series isn't wowing me. I
0: don't know. Maybe it'll maybe it'll do something to like really shock and impress me. But like I, I get that it's iterative and that's nice. But that feels a tad antiquated i want to say like i feel like the differences between each Splatoon game outside a story is about the differences between each version of street
1: fighter yeah
0: i could see that and, and not like two to three i'm saying three to three to three
1: it, it feels like it's turning into nintendo's call of duty a little bit like not not to so that same regard but just like they found a formula that clicks let's not change it too much just kind of like Throw different maps in, throw a few new, new weapons in there, and that's kind of all you—kind of all you really need to do, to be fair. So, like, right? Don't but break. I, oh. I almost feel like that works a lot better with an annual release schedule. This is also true,
0: and, yeah. And it feels so weirdly not Nintendo, the company who's like
1: set on innovating every chance it can get. I mean, this is also the Mario Bros. New Super Mario series, sports games, barely doing anything. Like th- th- they have a few.
0: Yeah, okay, okay, fair. Yeah, yeah, it feels about on
1: par in changes as New Soup, I would say. Just with much better budget. Yeah, much better budget, and... Like, I am still, like, interested in the Splatoon story. Like, I won't play this, but I will be interested just to see what wacky things it does. Yeah. Unless they get, like, a huge trailer that shows a bunch of new cool modes and just... Yeah. I don't know, I don't know.
0: And continuing with the delays, the Mario movie has been delayed to April 2023. I uh, okay. Christmas is ruined. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, this is disheartening because this means that if K Rule is in the movie, he won't qualify for oh, K Rule yes. Watch in time. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. There we go. Uh, with that said, a couple
1: rumors on test screenings have come out. I have not cared to look at them. I'm not going to even look into them either. Like that's yeah. a movie that I. Like the voice cast alone, better or for worse, I want to I want to just experience whatever that either brilliance or disaster is, and I'm going to enjoy it either way.
0: Yeah. But it did put one thought into my head, and that thought makes me incredibly excited if it turns out to be a real thing. What? Jack Black Bowser Villain Song.
1: Yes. Oh yes. I going consider the musical I'm gonna side put things. that
0: energy in the universe.
1: And we're gonna move on. This is the we're gonna have like sequels to the DK cartoon songs, cause both Donkey Kong and Cranky Kong are in there. Exactly. Oh, ooh, ooh, that's 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 juicy. I love that. Alright, next story. Uh Sora has regular feet now. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's that's that that's the best headline to go with that.
0: Yes. They they showed a new game. It's called like Kingdom Hearts Four something, and Sora has regular feet now.
1: I think it's just four. It, it's four with like a tagline of just like it's the beginning of this saga now. Yes, yes,
0: and you know, he's in modern day. He's in that whatever the that, uh, one thing the, the, that, Rex the video game that Rex was yeah. looking at. yes, yeah, that one. And also, he, maybe he's Star that.
1: Wars was teased in that trailer yeah
0: yeah I heard people saw the forest and there was like an atST's foot visible yeah. or something yeah um okay at yeah th- at that point Kingdom Hearts is kind of going away from what I would want it to be and by that I mean what appeals to me specifically though which is Emperor's new Groove level please <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I'm never gonna get the properties like if I could get like an Atlantis or treasure planet or emperor's new Groove. I'd be delighted, but no, like that's that doesn't make sense. You go, you go for the Star Wars, you go for the Marvel. I just want a mini game
0: that's the map scene from The Emperor's New Groove.
1: <laughs> yes, that's
0: literally it. That's all I want. You gotta have cooking with Kronk. Okay, but uh,
1: admittedly, Remy is good is a good idea for that. Yes, they can interact I love with Kronk, each other. The, the worst thing about Kingdom Hearts is that they, they after the first one, they kind of just stopped intertwining the worlds yeah like i i like, i loved the f- idea behind the first one and then they just never really captured that magic again there's no more a lot of more rabbit hole yeah and he could do that but like do that but more though yeah let, let let like woody and buzz help remy cook because they're about the same size <laughs>
0: Okay, but admittedly, I do love Woody interacting with, and and Sully, and Sully. See, when, when the Disney characters and Pixar characters interact with the cast that is not Sora, and not the people from their movies, <laughs> Just that moment thrilled.
1: of, that moment of, nobody's ever loved you. Just coming from Woody. Yes. Uh, I never actually got around to playing 3, but I've seen like a little highlight reel of those moments. Likewise, likewise. Well, it'd be interesting to see 4 come out in... 2029. Yeah. Uh, this is nice
0: that it exists. Um, we've done this song and dance before. Yep.
1: Let's see.
0: Stanley Parable releases Ultra Deluxe Edition.
1: I uh, want to play that so badly, but I cannot because I've got like a couple more days until I can get the uh, Do Not Play Stanley Parable for five years achievement. And that. Oh, don't worry. A lot there's a
0: me. new achievement for you that only oh, no. activates when you get it. It's now don't play the game for 10 years. god damn it
1: (laughs) okay okay you bastards it's called super go outside (laughs) stay tuned in May of 2032 where I freak out about finally getting that chicken as well I love Stanley
0: Parable it's good it's short that it's so good yeah Oh. uh, Yuji Naka speaks out against Square
1: Enix over Balan Wonderworld. I just heard about this as well. That is a... Why is Square Enix so weird? Yeah, just end the sentence there. What, 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 what? We'll have more to say on that in just a second. However, yeah.
0: I mean, I get that they had, like, little faith in the project and just were looking for an excuse to send it out to die, basically. And... Also, we're working with Arzest, and I don't like Arzest at all. They killed Mm -hmm. Yoshi's Island, but... Yeah, it's that, but at the same time, reports have come out that Yuji Naka isn't really a great person, so... Those were...
1: I I have such a hard time with those, because hearsay is so dangerous, but at the same time, like, it's come from multiple sources.
0: Yeah, and it's a report from a studio that Naka came in and basically said, okay... We're taking this and this and this for Sonic, hire one guy and gut the rest of the team and was saying it in Japanese and didn't think anyone could understand him.
1: Okay, no, that, okay, yeah, no, that's just, that's just wrong.
0: And that's coming from someone who was on that team, so. Yeah, I, there's no love lost for either party here because I didn't have love to lose. But like, I thought it was worth saying that, you know, oh, the bad things happen to the bad people. And the bad thing continue happen, And it wasn't good. Ah, uh,
1: yeah. Because what, what Balan Wonderworld really needed was just a troubled development over all its other problems. Yeah.
0: But speaking of Square Enix, did you know they just sold most of their Western Western IPs to Embracer Group for $300 million? I did not. What, what oh, does yeah. that include? Uh, that includes Tomb Raider, Legacy of Kane, Deus Ex, uh, anything under the Crystal Dynamics umbrella.
1: okay. Okay. Uh, Is that a good thing? Uh, Essentially,
0: they're keeping Life is Strange, Just Cause, and Outriders, and most of their other Western games they're giving away. So that would probably include Gex as well. Oh no. Well, Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. It's being sold to big company that owns things like Dark Horse Comics, Gearbox, and a lot of other shit. Oh... So it's, it's big, big super company now owns most of Square's Western IPs. Owns oh, Gearbox. Is that T2? No, this is uh, Embracer Group.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, capitalism continues. Bad. But maybe these series have a future?
1: Yeah, maybe. Square Enix wasn't doing much with them. It's it's so funny to just watch all of these. Just like capitalism moving on and, and just like at least it's shaking things up. Like you can't really stop it at this point. Yet. What what shocks me is
0: only three hundred million
1: for all of these. And all yeah, of the studios like that's, attached.
0: That's, that's that's like a single game's budget. That's a pittance. Like I believe that is less than a third of what they paid for Gearbox. So Yeah, uh, I access to Tomb Raider? Tomb Raider
1: alone. Like the like I think
0: they also got Hitman. So
1: this guy hit Jeez.
0: I think it includes Hitman.
1: Okay, yeah, that's
0: a steal. It's pretty good. Um, and yeah, this has been a little bit depressing, so I've got two nice things to end it with. Huzzah!
1: Yakuza 8 is going well, growing all the time, according to Studio. I, I want to play those games so badly. I just know it's a huge time sink, and I just, I have so many other games I need to get around to first. <laughs> you start with zero, then you play like a dragon, and
0: then you're good, and then do whatever you need. I know, and this will be the-, the direct sequel, Like a Dragon. You can also do Judgment. Judgment's also a good starting point. All
1: right. Keep that in mind.
0: Yeah. And this is just after um, the head of the studio has left and founded his own studio. So hearing that it's going well after that, and that it's nothing but positive, is a
1: good thing. Yeah. Not a perfect dark situation.
0: Yeah. And then I just wanted to show you this nice little mini trailer from a game called Scrap Story, and just show off the movement for this little Paper Mario-inspired thing. Because, like, the way it moves around makes me super happy. Oh my gosh. That is adorable.
1: To it turns into a flame when it jumps, yes!
0: It's such <laughs> fluid movement. I love it so much.
1: Oh, sell me on a game in five seconds. Yes, please. Right.
0: That goes right into Paper Mario Battle. Yeah, I got nothing more. That's just cute. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, just made me happy. Thought I would share. And that's all I got for news.
1: You got Ethan? Uh nope, everything I would have covered you already got. Excellent.
0: So then look at future plans. Uh we released Joy Mechfight this
1: month. Yay! That felt that felt good to get done. That that <laughs> a bad thing about us like sharing our plans with these um like what we're going to release, is that you get an inside look into how much we want to do, and then you can immediately compare that with how much we are actually able to <laughs> actually get done. got out. Yeah. <laughs> uh but hey, I have you know what's funny about that Joy Mech Fight video? Like, I, I've been working on that for, like, a month and a half. And, like, as soon as I moved, I finished the second half of that video in, like, two days. It is so frustrating. I know I have a—like, I can make things quickly. It's, you just gotta get, like, stars to align. Yeah. No, I feel that completely. Yeah, it's the most difficult part about making content creation. People are always like, oh, yeah, but you get to make your own stuff. It's creatively liberating Liberate Yeah. Which, like, yes, but also you have to motivate yourself, and that is hard. Yeah, myself is lazy. I dislike myself. <laughs> oh, this is getting too real.
0: <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, got that, and uh, I released the Captain Falcon episode.
1: Yeah, like literally just now. Literally just two hours ago. Uh, got any other plans for? I, I assume, like, the same as the. <laughs> as many
0: times as I'm going to say Team Fortress 2, that's still coming.
1: Yeah, like, it, I, SFM animation, I can imagine, is just.
0: It, it's that, plus, just coordinating a lot of things and work schedules and my and Author Man schedules just not aligning. So yeah. it's just. It's been a lot, but, you know, that's why we have things in the meantime. And then we got one on Mother 3 coming up and uh, probably sneak one in on Toho as well. So. Nice. Uh, that yeah. game you were talking about last. Yeah, Toholua Nights.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on your uh, Bandai episode, by the way. Yeah, that was that was a nice, just like, I've moved, it's I've had like three podcasts in a row, I just need to get something out, and we were talking about Bandai Idea, so I was like, you know what, this, this guy deserves a little more love, here's an easy idea, let's go. Yeah. Had an idea afterwards, that I was like, people are kind of talking like, uh, oh, we don't want the possession mechanics kind of just played out, which I don't necessarily agree with. I think that huge part of Kirby's charm is that he constantly saves his friends from corruption. Friendship beats mm-hmm. corruption, and that, that's just a nice theme of the series. Yeah. But I had the idea that, like, Morvo Knight goes off and gets a new host, and by doing so, casts off Galactonites, and by doing so, Bandana defines Galactonites' lance and kind of just becomes, like, the inheritor of that power, and that's how you kind of expand what he is. Ooh, okay. Just just being kind of, like, the apprentice to the ultimate warrior and growing on a journey through there. I like that. Right? Oh, that's fun. He's he's a character with potential. Hal's just got to do something with him. Yeah. And then I'm still working on the same stuff as usual. I'll say what it is now, because that'll, like, like just motivate me. I'm making a Smash concept for Dark Matter. Uh, Okay. just the the Kirby villain something to embody like the entire horror side of the of the series. I want to I really want to see that translated into a fighter. And I think I think it's it's going well. It's going well. And now I'm in a good place to actually work on things. I'm able to get a lot more work done on it. Should it release this month? I'm significantly more confident on that than I have been in the last episodes, but <laughs> I've always been saying that for three episodes. So, we'll see. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Nice. Nice. Bonus stage.
1: Welcome to bonus stage.
0: So, I'm going to give you a choice, and the other will be cast away forever. Do you want me to talk about gay pirates, or do you want me to talk about card game fails? Uh, oh, hmm. Gay pirates sounds hilarious. Go with that. Okay, so the Yu-Gi-Oh! Progression series... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, to just go over that. That's our flag means death. It's a great show, but I was never going to pick what you sided with. <laughs> uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh! Progression series is I'm something that, that so has much. kept me sane for the past uh, couple months in between work. And this is by a channel called Simo. And what it is, is they go set by set in every single uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Expansion, and they digitally open a box of 24 cards, which is one set. And they take those cards, and whatever cards they have is their collection, and they have to duel with those cards. And what they do is, the next set, they open those 24 packs, and that adds to their total card pool. So they go through every individual set in the Yu-Gi-Oh! trading card game's history, get what they can get, see if they can get lucky to pull off any sort of the big combos, And uh, basically move on and just evolve with the card game. And what I love about this format is because of what it is, you aren't getting optimal strategies ever. Because a lot of cards ended up in side decks or structure decks and whatnot. Things to bolster you outside of the main packs packs were always meant to supplement a core. Not having that core means the entire landscape of the game changes. If one person has a board wipe and the other doesn't, they're going to be suffering for the entire series based on the threat of that board wipe. Because what Yu-Gi-Oh! did at the start is they only had a couple of magic cards, but those cards were stupidly powerful and they had to limit them very early on. Like, people will say, oh, a Pot of Greed, oh, what a mean you draw two. That's one of the strongest cards in the game. Being able <laughs> to just get plus one card advantage at any point you want and thin out your deck is incredible. Mm-hmm. That's just straight up better than any other option you possibly could have at a time. It's a rare card in the first set. If you don't get that, you're suffering for the entire series. And what I love about it is that So often, when you see, like, oh, this game at this period of time, retrospective sort of things, you get, what is the best deck at this time? What is the most competitive deck? Or, oh, let's go with only cards from this set, and we'll use the rarest cards and see what we can scrounge together. Or, we'll use only commons from this set. This one, by making it so much of luck of the draw, you get that feeling of the playground metagame that you had where you're just a kid and you're getting all of the cards you have, and you're going to be the kid with those one or two ringer cards. You're going to be the kid who plays Fiends and Dark Necrofear, or you're going to be the kid who actually pulled Relinquished and Thousand Eyes Restrict from packs and can suck up your opponent's monsters. And, like, you get to feel between the two of them, because it's just two guys, uh, Simo and, uh, Nim Nim, Nim Nim and you get to see them latch on to specific cards and latch on to specific decks and you get you get that feeling of no i'm the guy who plays white magical Hat. he he's still good he still has to be in my deck i'm i'm the white magical hat guy oh that's yes that's what i, I play love that the feeling of like trying to make it work and then having to move on or trying to bring back an old strategy just That feels so great to see, and it makes it just an intoxicating watch, set after set after set. They've started a season two with it after going through every single set, uh, with a more robust way of, like, banning cards and adding cards back into the game, or pulling cards from a a specific set to better enhance a strategy, and that's really, really fun and enjoyable, but gosh... It's so much fun seeing someone just try to bash their head against a wall again and again and again. Like, they end up having a meme where they just outright reference the old Wile E. Coyote cartoons, and they go, Damn, you painted that tunnel against the wall so good, and you just ran right through the tunnel that you painted. You, you're like an expert drawing it, and I just crash right
1: into it, my dude. <laughs> Uh, that sounds like a similar joy that you get from like, from like Nuzlocks or something like that. Yeah. And you just have to go through the game, figure out, you get what you get, and you just gotta make it work. And that's one of the, it's, it's, it's a joy that you don't get from games a lot anymore, because they're so structured, like they have the, the meta builds and all that kind of stuff. It's nice to hear those, like to have that like still alive in like card game format, because that, that, I feel like that's been gone for ages from like the playground meta. Oh, oh,
0: totally. And this is just like two people on YouTube coming up with a good format, but they do it well and getting that, like that's the spirit of card games and that's the Yu-Gi-Oh that I really fell in love with. Just seeing something happen for the first time and the idea of, because they're both experts of the game, but you can tell which sets and which cards they have more or less familiarity with or when they came into the game. Especially when they go, okay, uh, I'm going to synchro summon with my Ronin Toden. And they go, okay, uh, read the first line of text on Ronin Toden, And they go, cannot be used for synchro. Yo, this card's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, but just that combination of personal attachment from the players, the idea of expanding strategies and seeing failure at its finest when things don't come together is just really, really enjoyable. I had a great time going through it, and it kept me sane in between work shifts, just because these are about like 45 minutes to an hour long each, just to pop one in, relax, decompress, and enjoy it. Oh, you know, sometimes YouTube is good. Yeah. Sometimes it gives you exactly what you need in a way that you didn't know you needed. And I I appreciate that. And like, it's not like they're a small channel. I think it's like a 200,000 Yugi tuber, but... It's absolutely worth going through, and it. it made me real happy.
1: I'm glad to hear it. Honestly, you've you've, you've piqued my interest. In that I want to check it out myself now.
0: Yep. Uh, to pique your interest in the other, our flag means death is a pirate show. It's done by Taika Waititi, and he plays Blackbeard.
1: Oh, you, you, there was one. Like there are few directors you could have given me over that one that would have piqued my interest more. Okay, yeah. Historical fiction, romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's I'm my not- entire pitch.
0: That's all go. you get.
1: You picked wrong. All righty. Uh, so, without stressful, this month has been. Has been I kind of went back to some some old comfort shows that I've been watching, and uh, I need to. I, I, have you heard of the show the Dr- the Dragon Prince?
0: Yes, yes. That's from some of the animation team of Last Airbender. Uh,
1: yeah. Original creators. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, this show. Is the spiritual successor to *The Avatar: of The Last Airbender* that *The Legend of Korra* kind of failed to live up to? I feel very confident making that claim. I think this is one of, if not, I don't know which of a, which I like more: *Avatar: The Last Airbender* or *The Dragon Prince*. This okay, show already has, that's overhyping it to hell. Yeah, no, I I can, I can, I can, I can back this up. I can back this up. everything that's avatar the last airbender did good this show is also doing good has the same just same lovable characters great um world building like it it replaces the um uh, the bending of elements in avatar the last airbender with schools of magic it's more of a Mm -hmm. more fantasy based in this one got like elves and dragons and all that kind of thing which always a fun setting um right right but more than anything it does the same thing that Avatar The Last Airbender did, where it covers very serious subjects in a way that is accessible to all audiences. Like, Avatar The Last Airbender is just a fun show to go through, but it also covers, like, the hardships of war, of prejudice, um, class differences, and does so impeccably well in a way that, like, adults can, like, relate to, but children can also, like, learn about and understand in a healthy environment, which Mm -hmm. is why it's just a top-tier show, and Dragon Prince has been doing the same thing. The reason I think Dragon Prince has an edge that makes it like comparable is because of all the great things about um, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Its villains are a little one-dimensional. Like Fire Lord Ozai is very much a villain for the sake of being a villain. Like Z- Zuko's story is obviously just like there's nothing better than that. But let's. I'll give he's... you everyone but Zuko and Azula. Yeah, yeah, but like the actual main antagonist of the series is is. He, he, He's a main antagonist, and especially Zhao. I'll, I also will defend Zhao a bit. Yeah, I'll give you that. But the villain of this story is one of the best that I've ever seen in the work of media. Uh, it, it's it's um. I don't. I, I also don't want to spoil it because like I really love this show. I don't want to give as little detail as possible. But it it, it follows the um. It kind of has a similar setup where the villain has children in the same way that Firelord Ozai has like Azula and Zuko, okay. uh, but it's a much more loving relationship now. And and Ooh. the villain starts off as a fairly decent guy. Like he's got he's selfish. He's got his pride, but like he's trying to do the right thing. And the show takes you on just his slow deterioration from like this flawed but good individual into just the power-hungry maniac he eventually becomes.
0: Oh, that's always
1: good. Seeing the devolution is just mm. yeah. And but where that really like it, it, imagine if there was a loving relationship between Ozai, Azula, and Zuko, and just watching them trying to hold on to that, like watching it like either finally shatter in tragic circumstances or drag them down with him. It's just it is it is fantastic. Like impeccable writing. The. I don't want to. I don't want to say equivalence, because I feel like this. this show stands on its own, separate from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Although the the main character is voiced by the same voice actor that does Sokka, and that is it's 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 good. It's, so, it's it's so delightful. Good more Sokka, please. Oh, uh, and, and you get more of it in this show. Oh, thank God. If if you've been missing, I don't want to disparage Korra too much. Like I, it had its moments, but like it did. It, it, it was. It also had a lot of disappointments it did that was called season two yes yes i agree the with good that. part like, see, was called season, season three one i loved the end of season one like i can't remember yes. the villain's name Amon. but that was such a compelling villain just like the conflict between like benders and non-benders. that's su- that's so logical for that i world. will
0: never forget the scene where it says i'm on a boat
1: yes Ah, oh, but but like it's at the same time it just kind of fell flat in so many areas it didn't, it didn't capture the same charm Dragon Prince captures that charm in spades. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I want to gush about so many different things, but I'm trying to avoid spoilers. Oh, th- here's one, here's one. Another great thing about Avatar The Last Airbender was just just tough, just tough in general. Yes. I I think that is the pinnacle of uh, um, representing a disability in a way that's fair to what they're struggling with, but still just making a fantastic character out of it. Yes. Because sure, jokes are made at Toph's expense, but she's still capable and she's found ways to move around how much much harder her life is.
0: Oh yeah, and she makes the jokes back. Like, she only takes the jokes because she invites them because she's found other ways to deal with it. Plus, I mean, the there it is. Yes, that's that's what, what it'll sound, sound like. <laughs> like
1: when one of you sees it.
0: <laughs> it's one of the best jokes in the show.
1: Why can't I help you with the flyers? Just slams it onto the wall. It's upside down, isn't it? <laughs> okay, I'll go with you. Uh, there, there's a character like that in this game. Um, the the main protagonist. You you follow um, just a few young kids that are royalty, in their in their attempts to save the dragon prince. That's the that's the basic the basic goal of the series. Okay. And um, uh, those these kids have an aunt, uh, aunt may, maybe like mid thirties, mid forties. It is just a uh, a badass single aunt who is deaf. Okay. Uh, has has a sign language interpreter around her just to be able to like talk to people. She she's she's a character that always goes around with this big tower shield and a sword and always loses the sword because she just loves bashing people with the shield. <laughs> just the kind of character that ch- that just has a preferred fighting style that is so so not like conventional mm-hmm. and just makes it work and is an absolute badass because of it and oh, but delightful. And you, you still have that kind of humor of just being like why are you shouting i can't hear you just just is kind of just kind of playing off of um the benefits and drawbacks of sound and yet despite um her drawbacks like she's still a general she's still the the best fighter in the entire show Right. (laughs) You have this really sweet, um, what, like one of the most powerful moments I've ever seen in an animated show where she's saying like a heartfelt goodbye to a long past sibling. And -hmm. it's just like a solid, just two minutes of just her signing and just like, you can see the emotion growing on her face. Oh, and like, it's not even like an interpreter or anything like that. It's just kind of like, you have subtitles on to understand it, but it just like, it's, it's, it's wholesome. This, this show hits those same wholesome vibes. I think it does so it in a little a little bit better in some areas than last Avatar the Last Airbender. Like it's it sacrifices a bit of the a bit of the goofiness for a bit more heart-wrench, which I really really appreciate. Okay. Yeah.
0: It's interesting to think of it not as an evolution of Avatar and saying that it's better than it, but saying that it's a logical next step to it in terms of maturity for
1: its audience. Yes. It frustrates me so much, because this show deserves so much more praise than what it's getting right now. But Netflix has done such an awful job advertising that this is from the same people that made Avatar The Last Airbender. I didn't know that until I actually looked it up myself. That's one of the easiest sells. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. It's frustrating. But, like, I, I can see some people being on the fence because the animation style is a little jarring. It is. It is—it's kind of that same cartoon— feel but with 3d models oh it's a ruby yes uh better quality but it like they they had like a stylistic choice in the first season that where the frame rate was a little i don't know how to describe it It was a little off which they went back on for the second and third ones which i could see that turning people off but like
0: oh it's a (laughs) ruby
1: okay yeah fair but just like I, I, I love this show so much. If any of you liked Avatar: The Last Airbender, which so all of you out there and you haven't tried this show out, like give it a shot, please. I it has a bit of a same, the same stumbling blocks of Avatar: The Last Airbender. It's a little slow to start. It's got kind of got the, like childish humor at the beginning, but like once it gets going, like it is the, the characters are all wholesome, adorable. They all go. You empathize with their struggles and cheer for their victories. Uh, one of the most adorable relationships. Like, it b- blows Ang and Katara out of the water. I think I will at least dip my toes in in the coming month. Uh, if, if you do, please let me know. I love-
0: like, Oh, can do- Oh, that motivates me more than anything. I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but just being able to talk about a show with someone, and just being able to bounce back and right? forth, that, that makes me so much more
1: engrossed in being able to even pay attention to it. It is. It is. It is a good- Good. I would gush about it more, like specific characters, like oh my god, like all oh, the Zuko equivalent in this is just the best himbo I've ever seen. That is not what I would expect from a Zuko equivalent. Well, but we'll, I we'll just take like be the the son of the. No, I, I, I get you, I get you, I get you. And just watching that himbo slowly have his heart broken by like his father going down a dark path—it's just all oh, just the, its such good writing. Good, break the himbo. Okay, that's all I wanna say because if I gush more I'll I'll spoil things. Fair, fair. Name your favorite character. For the people. Okay. Uh yeah, probably Soren. That's that's the that's the that's the himbo.
0: Characters so- named Soren seem to be
1: consistently good. Right? Okay. So now uh, let's move on to hear from you guys. Yeah, welcome to the Comment Codec. So I have a, f- it was so funny, because last time we were talking about a f***ing comments episode, we were kind of surprised that, oh, nobody used the link for, like, the hashtags we could pull from the comments. We were so confused. Turns out people were using it, and I'm just an idiot, because I had the comments and links hashtags blocked on my comments, because you get, like, spam things from people ones are annoying, so I kind of just got rid of them all together. Yeah. So I had, like, 20 comments hidden <laughs> away, that we were able to get to a few of them now. I am intentionally not grabbing all of these, just because I feel like that is a bad precedent to set. So it's like, sorry if your comment didn't get featured, but like, we can only go through so many of these, and as the podcast grows, it's only going to get worse. So yes, just, just going to go through a couple of these and just just see see, see what we think. Uh, I, yes. I want to I want to shout out Camp the MVP. I'm not going to read the entire comment because Camp's been kind of doing the um, side comments, just kind of. Just sharing um, their own guiding thing of just, like, games that they, they, they've been playing. Mm-hmm. Just want to shout out that those are really well written. I've been enjoying writing, reading them. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I have a uh, question from Justin. Okay. Uh, from the one before, because it's just, it's, it's an excuse to talk more about Kirby. Uh, what aspect of Kirby and the Forgotten Land story lore do you like the most? Uh, oh. Sto- story lore, specifically. I, th- I thought that was an interesting take, because we haven't really talked about like, the, the lore implications of the Forgotten Land.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, it's just- It's the fact that he is- Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I should put- Extra spoilers for Kirby!
1: I'll- 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 edit it in.
0: <laughs> okay, extra spoilers for Kirby! Uh, for me, it is Morpho Knight's name. And the fact that his subtitle is now The Dream Eater. And I feel like that recontextualizes so much, because I want you to think back- to how many times that butterfly appeared before, and how many times it landed on Kirby, and how it's just never, never, never—it can never absorb him. It's looking for it. It's not just on oh, a cute butterfly. It is now recontextualizes everything. Something recognizes Kirby as the strongest player in this story, and it is incapable of rendering him into a malleable husk. Yeah, like. I love the Kirby lore in general, and obviously—and here we are—is one of the strongest (laughs) bits of just one-phrase storytelling that is out there, but I love it when the story ties it back to Kirby, and I will always love how everything ties back to Kirby. That's why I love the D2D lore so much, and that's why this little bit of Morpho Knight recontextualizing his incredibly limited but somehow incredibly eye-opening relationship with Kirby—
1: yeah, I like that. Uh, the thing that's got me, um, just kind of curious is the- Like, obviously this is a forgotten civilization of maybe humanity? What- what I really- just, like, has got my brain just worrying is how that connects to Shiverstar. Cause that's also, like, the Earth equivalent in, like, Kirby's realm. Is like, is that where the people ended up? Is it- I- I- I have so many questions about just the- I feel like so many apocalypses have happened in the Kirby lore and, like, Kirby's the only thing that survived it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's potentially true. I mean, what I took from that was that humans populated Popstar, and then over thousands of years, they turned into Waddle So Waddle is the yeah, final that's, form that's, of humanity. that's kind of what I was but.
1: thinking of as well. But at the same time, like, Adeline exists.
0: There's a genetic offshoot. <laughs> like,
1: Paint Roller exists. What the hell is Paint Roller? <laughs> okay, fair, fair. Just that, 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 that little bit of lore fascinates me is like the people who left and continue to a land of dreams like that sounds like dreamland yes it sounds like they're like teasing that yeah they this what they were the precursors to like the inhabitants of pop hmm and it's i don't know i don't have an answer but i love the, i love the speculation yeah uh let's see uh we we had a comment from agent happy t- potato asking about guests which like yeah we've I'm not against the idea, but I'd like to like build this into something a bit stronger first, if so that makes sense. Ag- agreed, agreed. I would feel
0: underdressed at this point.
1: Yeah. Be like, hey, we've got we've got like what is this, uh I mean we got like 15 episodes, but like Yeah. You, know, you wanna establish something before you like branch out in those sorts of directions.
0: You will hear a sponsorship before you hear a guest, probably.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh had a a comment by Chuckles Channel, asking about Fraymakers, the upcoming indie Smash Brothers. Uh, are you familiar with this? I am, I supported it. Nice, I did too. Um, I, I don't have much I, I, just to say about um, like actual gaming. I love the concept, an in indie Smash Brothers, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I really like how they're trying to uh, um, build in assists. That's a really cool idea that fleshes out the, the genre in a different direction when compared to Smash Brothers or Nick All-Stars or uh, that, that, that. I feel like you forget it every time.
0: What's the Morner Bros two v two? That that was that Rumbleverse. Rumble Multiverse. 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 Okay.
1: Yeah. Great idea. Can't wait to see how they build upon that. Yeah. Sorry, I don't really have much else to say. I mean, I guess like characters. I'd really love to see Hollow Knight in that. Yeah. Same. Like, get, get the I, indie darlings. I appreciate
0: lens. that they are spending so much time on individual characters and really letting them breathe. And obviously, McLeod Gaming is a great pedigree for this kind of game specifically. Of course. So very, very thrilled for that. The fact that Octodad is in has sold me on the game entirely because I love (laughs) Octodad. I can't wait to beat up people as a regular human father. With that said, I hope that it has a lot of extra content and a lot of celebration of its individual characters as opposed to just putting them in. Because we've seen with Nick All Star Brawl that that really matters a lot—that legacy and side content and being able to put these characters on a pedestal and make new fans of them—really means a lot for a game's longevity.
1: Yeah, like it's great to have good gameplay, but you gotta have for a game like this, especially to be like be considered in the same breath as Smash Brothers, you gotta have that same celebration going on at the same time. Yeah,
0: Smash Brothers has kind of codified that into the genre so it's what fairly or not a lot of people have come to expect from it
1: i'm I'm hopeful it's got the rockman from ftl that's got me i'm never gonna switch off of that one yeah no i'm gonna play octodad i
0: mean until they find the grappler in which case i'll play them and if it's octodad hell yeah do you know that octodad being a wrestler is canon no, but that's life. Because they did video game character wrestling. It's just an online show where they would have various characters uh, wrestle each other. And uh, there was a VGCW poster in Octodad Deadliest Catch. So Octodad making Ganondorf tap in the middle of the ring
1: clean is canon in Octodad. That's that's just amazing. <laughs> I don't have anything yeah. else to say to that. Um, I, I had a one-sided comment towards me. That I'll, that's going to take like 30 seconds to answer. Uh, Rick Go Naturalis was asking about my thoughts on The Legend of Vox Machina. Uh, oh, I can I, answer that. Oh, you, you have you watched it? I've watched it, yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, never mind. Let's talk about Legend of Vox Machina. Yeah. What, what, I've I've watched the entirety of Critical Role. I'm curious what your thoughts are because I'm pretty sure you haven't. I have not at all. Um, okay. I love the Briarwoods as villains.
0: Adore Yes. I think that Matthew Mercer and Grey DeLeslie are giving... All-star performances as their voice actors for this, doing an incredible job with them. And the way that they build the lore, the way that the DeLauro, uh am I saying the last name right? DeRolo. DeRolo. The way that the DeRolo family lore is baked into it, the way that they frame it is absolutely fantastic. Thrilling time.
1: It takes three episodes to get there, and I don't like those first two episodes at all. That's fair. I, I understand why that is because those first two episodes were originally going to be the only thing, but as their Kickstarter literally exploded, they were like, oh yeah, we can like add more arcs. Let's add the Briarwood arc. That's everybody's favorite. Like, for obvious reasons. Yes. Because it is amazing. Yeah, the first two episodes were more to uh, show off a side of the show that was never in like the live gameplay. Oh, it was bad. Yeah, it wasn't really. It's just. It, th- 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 this show has fascinated me because like. As someone who has watched all of the episodes and like has all the context, it feels rushed. But I feel like there was no way that it could not have been because you are taking literally thousands of hours of playing Dungeons and Dragons and cramming that into a an episodic series, and that's just that's just that's just difficult.
0: I will say that the whole Briarwoods arc, I felt that even though I felt like eh, it could have used a little bit more time, I thought it was very well paced for what it was. And that, that, it's,
1: that's interesting to hear that.
0: Yeah, and the fact—the way that it focuses in on Percy and lets him develop, and it, the fact that it gives him so much time, and it uses the visual medium to enhance his story in ways that uh, the podcast couldn't, I felt was incredibly, incredibly
1: strong. I, I'd actually disagree with that. Like, all of those visual—like, the visual brilliance, uh, Matt Mercer described those, like, beat for beat— like really? the, there is not a visual storyteller better than Matthew Mercer. Okay, okay. Like all, all the best moments in that, like they're there because Matt Mercer did them himself. You know, that's fair. That is fair. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I'm, 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 I'm always going to prefer the live format just because when you get a group of voice actors together who are all really invested in sto- the storytelling medium, mm-hmm. and have them play Dungeons and Dragons, like that's that's just uh, that. There's nothing like it, man. Yeah, but it's it's still a good show. I enjoyed it. It it was fascinating seeing how they decided to change things around to uh, fit more into a TV show instead of a live Dungeons and Dragons game.
0: Yeah. Um. Fuck Scanlan. (laughs) God, I hate that character. And like, no offense at all to Sam (laughs) Regal. because he is playing that character to perfection. Like that is exactly what that character is supposed to be. So well executed.
1: Fuck him. Oh man. Wait. It it make cuz I, I agree, but it makes like once he starts actually getting depth in the story, hit 10 times harder. Oh,
0: I'm I'm sure. But right now if he died, that'd be super cool.
1: <laughs> Oh, I can't say anything, but like, yeah, (laughs) I, I get you for that, that, for this point in the story, like it's intentional and like, yeah,
0: (laughs) I know it's intentional. They're doing a really good job, but he has the most go away heat I can give to a character. Like I'll even say he has good scenes. I'll even say that. Fuck him. (laughs) But yeah, overall, I really enjoyed the back half. It It was something that I felt got much stronger as it went along.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, like 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 the first few episodes were more of a novelty, just seeing something that I had heard, like that they've talked about having happened in the campaign, but we'd never gotten to see. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, that was it. That for me, that was able to carry it through. It being a little more lackluster than because c- it's also introducing characters to me that I know through and through that they've well established over hundreds. Of, like I think it's like a hundred fifteen episodes in that campaign. It's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Well, once it got to the stuff that just. That I knew was going to be good. And having that play out exactly as I had hoped it for. That was just a delight to watch. Nice. Alright, I got... Let's do one more. I can pull another one from uh, uh, Justin here. Just because I think the topic's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Uh, Take a look at why video game movies and TV shows are generally underwhelming. Thinks the Sonic 2 movie is an exception to that, but I'm more talking about movies such as Mortal Kombat and the Ratchet & Clank movie. Okay, you best be
0: meaning the new Mortal Kombat and not the old Mortal Kombat.
1: I, I, th- I think the new Mortal Kombat, yeah.
0: Okay, because the original movie, oh, that's so good. It's so <laughs> cheese, but it's so
1: good. I, I think that right there is why a lot of the... They, they don't embrace the like the, the absurdity or the cheesiness that comes from being a video game. Like I, I feel really strongly about that with the, the Monster Hunter movie. Like, fuck that movie. I hate that movie. <laughs> it takes this franchise that you, you literally have a cat sidekick that goes around with you. You drink, like, an entire table full of food to give yourself, like, half of your, more of your hit points. You're you're literally being bashed by literally world-ending fireballs and just getting right back up as usual. It's a goofy series. Yeah. But they try to make it Oh yeah, this is the US military going into this area and they've gone through another dimension now to survive in this war torn land. It's just fuck off.
0: Yeah. It's Video game movies are feel very, very insecure when they're not being made for children. I would agree for the most part, except Arcane exists. Well yes, yes, but that's not a movie. That is the yeah, team true. very, very much caring about the product. Uh Castlevania was the same way for the first two seasons, at least. I do not care for season four.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it, but I can see the I can see the flaws. No problem. I I enjoy Isaac a lot. Isaac is great. That is the
0: only plot line that I feel gets resolved in a way that satisfies me.
1: Um, I I, I do feel like it's kind of a case by case basis. It kind of depends on the lore and the expectations of the game that you are trying to like create <laughs> like you, you take something like mortal Kombat, and you're you're you want to be invested in like the character you've you, you've grown and known and love and for some reason they just throw like no but here's the movie character and we're gonna focus around him i hate i hate when video game adaptations do that
0: mm-hmm. or just like this is the movie version of the character they're different they're yeah, serious like if,
1: at that point why are you making an adaptation that mm-hmm. is just brand recognition like just Trying to piggyback off of brand recognition, which is, I think, a lot of video game, like, media falls into that, unfortunately, because people, like, studios are looking for a quick buck, like, oh, people like this, let's, 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 let's purchase the rights of these and try to make something, like, real, th- real quick.
0: Yeah, and I think that there's a difference depending on what you're adapting, like, um, the Kirby anime was very much, uh, based around Sakurai going, yes, let's use these characters that I've made. What for? political satire (laughs) and it's just a commentary on society for like a hundred episodes and like it's nice and digestible for kids and that's exactly what it wants to be and it has an identity of its own it's using the medium in a unique way it's not trying to it is turning the games into something that they're not which is why i think sonic actually has the most success with things because sonic almost always takes the spirit of his games and thrusts it into whatever he's in. Almost to a fault. Mm -hmm. Like, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie does change things around, but what Sonic and what the character of Sonic is doesn't fundamentally change. Like, this is still a movie about Sonic the Hedgehog. Agreed, agreed. That's seen in Sonic Saddam. That's seen to a huge fault in Sonic X. And that scene we're seeing now with Sonic 2. It's celebrating the game so much. I think that, like, one of the biggest dichotomies you can see is in Street Fighter, the movie. Because you have people who are very clearly just signing up for an action movie. or are just doing very generic action movie things. Like, my god, Jean-Claude Van Damme's Guile is one of the most lifeless performances that you can imagine. (laughs) But then you have Ra Julia's M. Bison. And he has explicitly played the games because his kids love them. He is having the time of his life overacting and being as over the top as possible. He is trying to embody the feeling of the final boss that you could never defeat with his grandiose over the top acting. and he eats up every scene. He is an objective delight to watch in that film.
1: for, for sure, for sure. Well it, I think that's the, that's the the tentpole just whether or not the people making it and acting it, the video game understand what it is they are making something about. Yes.
0: Best adaptations in general. I think the Professor Layton movie is okay. A little dull at times, but it, it it's Professor Layton. As said, Sonic, uh, Detective Pikachu does okay at it. Yeah. Um, props to it. I enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. Enjoyable. um, The live-action Ace Attorney movie. That's fantastic. Oh, really? Yes. Because they try to adapt the energy of the games one-to-one. So, like, a character will say that Edgeworth has a overly fluttery cravat. And then Edgeworth will go, I object to that. My cravat does not flutter to that extent. And then (laughs) every single person in the gallery does a pratfall. Simultaneously. Uh, Phoenix is doing weird um, facial gestures and like trying to beg the parrot on his arm to testify. (laughs) It it plays up the hamminess of it to such an extent that it becomes farcical, but it doesn't lose the heart of it. So, yeah, the live action Ace Attorney movie, that one's an all-timer.
1: Nice. Are there any that just to like... Some Are there anything you want adapted that you think would be particularly good? Um, just because it's fun to talk about.
0: Let's see. Earthworm Jim was already a TV series that was good. On that same vein, I think that Monkey Island or Grim Fandango or Psychonauts, a lot of those sort of properties have a great propensity for this sort of thing.
1: Yeah, S- Psychonauts especially. I, I would love just a, like a TV series about just going through just, just different people's psychologies. Psych,
0: Mm-hmm. I think those are all slam-dunk concepts. Um, not Metal Gear.
1: I can't see them getting Metal Gear, right? I'm sorry. I there's st- I,
0: been I, I a can. Metal Gear movie in the works since the mid-2000s, and
1: there's a reason for that. I know I know. Metroid gets tossed around a lot. I don't see that working. I could see it working
0: only if you structure it like Samurai Jack. Okay,
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I could
0: see that. If it is mostly without dialogue and is just
1: Samus encounters a thing. I, I just don't have... I, I, for for a for a good Metroid movie, I, I don't know if I could see Nintendo signing off for how awful Samus's past is. I don't think you can make
0: a good Metroid movie. I don't think it's adaptable to that. I think it needs to be episodic.
1: Yeah, yeah, I see, I see that. I want Team Fortress 2. I'll, 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 I want to... Well, they tried.
0: Valve was too slow.
1: Yeah, and, but, like, if they tried again, it'd still work.
0: It would, but they'd be too slow again. <sighs> yeah, but I can dream. You can dream. Th- I mean, those <laughs>
1: characters can do anything, and they do it well. I don't have many. Like, I, I, I love... I've wanted something in the StarCraft universe for so long. hmm But with the Halo series they're pushing out right now, and just... It's fine, but, like, it's fall
0: in the same boat. I think what we're saying with all these ideas is that for all of them that we want, we want them, but we want them not to do this story, but again. We want more stories in this world, in this universe. And I think that's the big insecurity with adaptation of we want to make... This thing that embodies all of the aspects and retells the story for the mass market, so to speak, as if Hollywood isn't already underneath video games in terms of profitability.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Which is why you get stuff like Silent Hill, which is mostly Silent Hill 1, but Pyramid Head's there sometimes.
1: Yeah. I, I do feel very validated, though, because like the one thing I was asking for for so long— is that I love the I hate playing it, but I love the lore of League of Legends so much, and just thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, no. That's going to be a gold standard for years to come. I, yeah, I don't. I don't see them top. I I will say, just adding on to that, there's so much they could make in that universe. Like th- there's 20 shows worth of stories to go. I, I want, no, here, I'll, I'll throw this out. I want a Bilgewater story centered around an Eldorado sort of duo between uh, Twisted Fate and uh, Graves. That would be amazing. Just yeah, get, I could see get, that. get a road to Eldorado sort of story, just going around with those two going on separate adventures. I can feel that.
0: I can feel that. Throw Tom Kench into that, and I'm sold. Yes!
1: Just throw Tom Kench into anything, really. I love <laughs> Tom Kench. He's so good. But yeah, that's, that's video game adaptations. Yeah. Alright, that is going to be the end of our April episode. Uh, tune in next time where I will hopefully not have to apologize for not finishing the Dark Matter episode <laughs> again. It's okay. By next month, Team Fortress 2 still won't be out. Yay! I won't apologize. Uh, content creation's hard, but small things like this make it a little easier. So thank you all for able helping us enable <laughs> these little outlets for us.
0: Yes, thank you very much for letting us do things that make us pretend that we're productive. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, it's funny because it's true.